Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, we have much to discuss now that the mock-off season is in the rear view mirror. Obviously, encourage you guys to go back and listen to that. Also, encourage you guys to give us a review on iTunes. Subscribe. Tell your friends, especially about the mock-off season. That's one that's uh, hopefully a pretty easy sell since that's uh, one of our signature podcasts. And, and of course, we'll be going through every single transaction as they occur during free agency. This is the place to be to wrap up every single thing uh, that happens in free agency. Agency. but right now we got to get to the rumor mill seems like there are even more of these than in past years maybe it's this interminable delay between this very early draft on june 20th and the start of free agency teams and agency to be getting a lot of work done but perhaps that's more public than in past years because reporters need to fill the news vacuum so a lot of news that has come down the pike i think the place i want to start though is with these jimmy butler possible sign and trade rumors to houston and the idea being that the Rockets want to acquire the 29-year-old Butler with a four-year, $140 million contract, the most that they could give him. Remember, in a sign-and-trade, starting with the 2011 CBA, you no longer can get the same contract that you would have gotten with your incumbent team and just get traded. You now just get the same contract as if you sign with the other team outright. However, the reason this is being talked about with sign and trade is because the Rockets, under no circumstances other than moving Chris Paul, could have the space to bring Butler in. Even if they strip it completely down to just harden Paul and incomplete roster charges for every empty roster slot you have under 12 on your team, you get charged the rookie minimum, which uh, projects at right about 900000 uh, with the $109 million cap that we're currently operating under. They still wouldn't have enough room for butler's max 32.7 million there they would be stuck with about 24 million space so they would have to oblige or or i should say the philadelphia 76ers would have to oblige them by sign and trading butler and that would probably involve two of the three of eric gordon clint capella and pj tucker pretty good players on good contracts by the way and almost certainly a, a third team being involved as well to take them on to give houston enough outgoing salary that they could acquire butler and that 32.7 million there are a lot of complexities involved there what do you think danny of just the idea of making these moves maybe having to throw in draft pick compensation to get the sixers to bite as well when they would be giving up a a lot of their depth they'd be limited to the non-taxpayer mid-level and might struggle to have enough room to use all that and fill out the roster i mean is this just a good move 
improve from a basketball standpoint for the Rockets. Uh, not even talking about the mechanics of uh, you know how realistic it is to get the mechanics of it done salary cap wise. Probably not. I don't. I don't think so. Especially with for me with Chris Paul in the fold, just because offensively you have too many cooks. And then defensively, it could be interesting, but they're losing a lot of what makes the Rockets so dynamic defensively because those are the guys that have to go out in the trade. You know, Clint Capella, either PJ Tucker or Eric Gordon, you know, some combination of those guys. You can't really replace them on minimums or even at the mid-level. We talked about how PJ Tucker wasn't ended up being an excellent mid-level exception signing, and that was in a, a different ecosystem than this year. And the Rockets would have so much depth to fill out. And Maury, I think, overall has done a good job on minimums especially because he is he did a great job last year pivoting from the mistakes he made. So, you know, if the MCW and Mello had been on the team at the end of the year, it would have been a bigger problem, but able to get Austin Rivers and Freed and all those type of guys. So I don't think from a basketball perspective, this makes the Rockets a better team, especially because, yeah, we have these concerns about Harden in the playoffs. One of the benefits of Jimmy Butler is that on many teams, he's a great way to use possessions. But James Harden just had the best offensive season of anybody in the entire NBA. So so taking possessions away from him, unless it keeps him more fresh, and then you talk about the marginal benefit of that, it, it seems really hard to get the whole package to work. And when you think about the depth that they're giving up and the difficulty replacing those guys in terms of pliability, getting guys that can shoot and defend and everything else like that, I think it probably makes the Rockets worse. And it definitely makes them less flexible financially because Butler's deal might end up being a negative value contract. Chris Paul's looks that way already and hard and they don't want to move. Here, I think for this coming year it probably does to me make them less competitive particularly on the defensive end so let's say they strip down in this trade you know whatever inducements are required they've still got guaranteed money for nene 3.8 million they've got guaranteed money for gary clark let's say they strip all that down completely and they include capella and eric gordon in the deal so their team is chris paul james harden jimmy butler at the max and then pj tucker that's it well recall that you get hard cap at the apron when you sign and trade for jimmy butler which yeah probably actually wouldn't bother houston too much that the apron is a, a little bit more than six million dollars over the tax line so with those hey you know you might be able to fill out a team pretty well because now they would have only four roster slots so even if you can fill out the rest of the team at call it the the veterans minimum so that's 1.5 million per slot you got to get to 14 players so 15 million of your remain 20 million now below the apron with those four guys i mentioned paul harden butler and tucker you could use some of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception up to 9.2 million but you do that and then just simply filling out a roster you remember you cannot go over that hard cap for any reason even if you are don't have enough roster slots so they would be, be and they wouldn't have an easy way to cut salary at, at any point either so you really would be left with essentially minimums maybe you could get one guy for like two or three million but if you say 1.5 million the the veterans minimum for each roster slot actually it's will be 1.6 million this year you know you're really looking at minimums all the way down the roster other than those four guys so that's that's going to be tough I mean, you could offer starting role for a center maybe you know there are centers out there but your team would be gutted maybe you could argue going forward because eric gordon would be a free agent after this year that to have those three guys all together over at least the next three years you would be more competitive in future years however you are worried about the aging and health of paul you're 
worried about the aging and health of course of Butler uh, at age 29 I mean I think he's already taken a significant step back defensively you mentioned uh, the potential fit concerns so I don't know if this move actually makes them better now Daryl Morey say hey it's all about getting stars these guys are just that good I just don't know if Jimmy Butler is that good especially when you're talking you know I don't see him as in the upper echelon of guys who can who can create uh he's not an amazing spot up shooter he's solid solid defensively but not unbelievable I mean we saw that for example against Kawhi Leonard he had to be switched off of Kawhi Leonard in favor of Ben Simmons after game one of that Toronto series because he was just getting completely destroyed so I don't know if this actually makes it better number one and then you go into also all of the machinations that'd be required to get him there the 2011 CBA put in these restrictions on sign trades one of them is that hard cap at the apron that we talked about another one is the guy the free agents getting their money with the five years now they can only sign the four-year sign and trade that they the same contract they would have gotten with the new team since those restrictions came into effect the biggest player who has changed teams to a team that didn't already have the cap room to sign him like Andre Iguodala was a sign and trade but the Warriors had created the cap room already to sign him he was going to go so the Nuggets said why not we'll just do a sign trade those ones don't count because and the Rockets can't do that the biggest player has changed teams and the only one of real significance is Danilo Gallinari on that three-year 65 million dollar deal in the summer of 2017 to the Clippers that's the only one that I could find as I went back and looked through since those restrictions came in in full force in 2013 2012 Steve Nash went to the Lakers but he that was before these restrictions came into place even though it was the current CBA they phased them so that right there history just says that this is going to be really difficult to do then you say okay why would the Sixers agree to this Danny and although Sam Amick had a reporting today indicating that if the Sixers thought they're going to lose him for nothing they might be willing to agree to the sign and trade that would mean that there has to be a third team now where the Sixers would say okay we're going to lose Butler to him and so rather or to this team and then rather than do that we're just going to trade him sign and trade him to the Rockets instead so we can get something back either assets or Gordon and Capella or something for riding Gordon and Capella to a third team whatever it ends up being it's especially weird because the Sixers wouldn't necessarily benefit from like creating a giant trade exception because they could just have cap space instead so this has to be an argument that the players and assets they receive are better than nothing and you're right about the third team because that's the leverage and because the, as you said the Rockets cannot do what the Warriors did in the Iguodala sign and trade which was create the space using a third team and then it was really more perfunctory it was it was just a, a bookkeeping matter more why there was a sign and trade it helped out both teams in that case the Rockets can't sign Butler outright so it requires the Sixers assistance and because I get asked this all the time in comments no you cannot sign and trade another team's players so it's not like a a third team could sign Jimmy Butler and trade him to the Rockets that's not the way this works so that is surprising it does open up the possibility of a third team and also I mean this is something back when we did the Sixers offseason preview that I brought up is the challenging idea of what the Sixers do with that cap space should Jimmy Butler not be the guy I mean they because that also changes the dynamic with JJ Redick because if you go all over then it's bird rights and all that kind of stuff but if you go under then it gets more complicated and so facilitating that especially if it's a team that can't sign him outright is bizarre and also the players that the Sixers would get back I mean Eric Gordon would be a very interesting fit with them but Capella you'd be doing that to move him and I like Capella but I don't know that teams are going to be falling all over themselves to give a center on a reasonable contract like give up a ton of assets for that so here's what I think is going on here obviously Houston has plenty of reasons I mean they've always really liked Butler of course they supposedly offered the four first round picks to Minnesota though you know some of those were also attached to a Brandon Knight salary so it wasn't 
really four first round picks in terms of just the asset return to Minnesota. All seven to take back that bad salary. This to me strikes me as a lot of PR and maybe, you know, they could figure out a way to get the Sixers to agree with this. But number one, look at just the motivation for everyone involved. Bernie Lee, Jimmy Butler, these guys work the media maybe more than anyone else that we see. I mean, you remember there was like one story a day, each from a different outlet coming out about Butler in Minnesota. He's in practice. Now he's coming He's coming back to practice. He dominated with the third stringers without taking a shot. Now I'm going to sit down for an interview with Rachel Nichols right after that. And they really just completely blew up everything to get Butler out of Minnesota, which they succeeded in doing. Now what they're trying to do, I am guessing, and you know, Butler may indeed want to go to, to Houston, but I'm guessing what this is, is I've got leverage here, Sixers. Give me that five-year max, no questions asked. Uh, there's also a story coming out that Butler might be interested in teaming up with Kawhi with the Clippers if he goes there the Clippers would have to move uh probably Danilo Gallinari in that instance that would actually help the Clippers with that issue we talked about of who's going to be their other wing defender if they do get Kawhi uh later in the program we'll discuss that when we do their off review so that's one motivation obviously the Rockets Gerald Morey would love to continue this ethos personally about oh I never give up I always uh, am trying every angle and yeah not to say that he's not a great GM and that hasn't worked for him in the past by the way people who point to Chris Paul as a sign and trade no he actually opted into he was under contract for for that trade so he was not a sign and trade and also the Rockets had a means potentially to create cap space to get him and Paul just clearly was not interested at all in going back to uh, the LA Clippers I I think Butler for that five-year max would be pretty interested in going back to Philly I'm sure those discussions were had before the trade uh so you know but Butler he doesn't know that Kawhi likely is going to the Clippers there's also talk that he might want to go to Miami that's another team that would have to get involved uh, with a sign and trade for Butler so I don't know and he hasn't really been linked anywhere other than those places so I don't know that there's a team out there and we saw this in the mock season that is just going to throw Jimmy Butler the four-year max at least and, and also just be worried about using it for leverage so that's where I think all this is coming from the Rockets you know they would love to make it sound like oh they're a preferred destination for Butler we're really trying that's all great PR uh, and yeah, you know, they, they might well be trying to do that. I mean, I'm not saying that they aren't, although, as I said, we, I think we both remain skeptical that they'd be better on the floor for having made this move with the, the hard capping limited to minimums. And then those guys getting older next year. I mean, I think they have a pretty good chance this year and just the lack of depth. And it's not like they could tr- make a trade during the season to take on salary either, because remember their hard cap, you can't go over that for any reason. Two other things just to note also for any reason includes unlikely bonuses. So you can't even finagle something like that where you kind of do let's say what Miami did when they signed Olinick and James Johnson all those guys because in that circumstance they weren't hard capped they just used that to to make the cap space to do everything also I don't think I heard you mention base year compensation BYC could potentially be an issue for Jimmy Butler here I wrote about this for the athletic for those who subscribe and are interested it depends on the sequencing of of things for for the Sixers and, and kind of how some of this stuff goes but that's another part of facilitation and basically what base year compensation would do in this circumstance is it would probably require adding in a third team yeah I, i'm not as worried about it because as long as the sixers uh, the issue would be the sixers would have to be under the cap when they signed butler to avoid the those issues uh and maybe the, the third team and i mean and this base year conversation is kind of boring albert namaz between about you wrote a whole piece on it you know if you're really interested in that it's very rare that i'll say that we just got a lot to get to here so uh it's very rare that i'll say hey we, can, we don't have time to get into the cap issue or something but i think what we should probably move on here I, my ultimate take though 
though is that you know this is like a i'm not completely ruling it out but this is a five or ten percent chance of a happening type of thing because the sixers might just say no we're, we're not doing that uh do you want to go sign with the la clippers i don't know if the clippers even make that offer if Kawhi doesn't go we're not going to sign and trade you come back here and now if they don't offer the full five-year max if they're trying to say hey we're not going to sign and trade you and we're not offering the five full five-year max that could be a very in- interesting negotiation but i think the sixers have a little bit more leverage here unless butler can find yet another team that would be interested in just offering him that full uh four-year max and it doesn't again seem like anyone else is on the radar and that's that i think is the biggest reason why this this has all just been so incredibly public right now we're also just hearing a little bit more about the other people that the the rockets could go after not really a surprising list and then another thing that happened between our last news segment and this is the Chris Paul denying that a trade request was made and but he did say you know like if if the Rockets decided to go younger and move in a different direction he would understand and be a pro about it and a lot of times especially because partisans yeah, and those and, Shams who had that by the way yes um in in different directions it, it can be a lot about parsing language and so sometimes people claim victory like you can say you can not demand a trade but still say you'd prefer to be traded or something like that like it, it could be one of those circumstances where it sounds like there's a difference of opinion and a different in reporting. I don't know if that's the case here, but I always want to caution people that in these sorts of circumstances, the wording can be extremely important. If you're into that, the other thing is we'll just see what we'll see what happens. I mean, Chris Paul's really hard to trade whether he demanded it or not, or requested it, or said he hoped it, or whatever. Yeah, and Shams, you know, reporting that this whole thing about James and Chris not talking to each other was overblown. Uh, Rockets play-by-play announcer saying, no, those guys sit together and talk all, all the time uh, on the plane, play cards uh tim mcmahon shortly before vincent goodwill's piece uh, that was the most extreme about what the level of tension is he he wrote a piece uh, uh, about the issues did not put that in there mcmahon said in a podcast then that he had been hearing some of those same things but it wasn't really able to confirm it that it was from people who might have a motivation to sow dissension among the rockets and therefore he did not include it in, in his piece so there does seem more reporting uh, you know, on just how severe these issues were you know the paul trade request i think goodwill is the only one who specifically said that it got to that level or this idea that he just didn't want to be in houston anymore clearly there is some tension clearly there are issues that need to be worked out after that loss but i think what's happened to the warriors may have just galvanized this team a little bit more uh, as well and you know you see there's even a, an anonymous quote i forget who it was from uh or, or which reporter had it obviously an anonymous quote saying hey you know what like we're right there now we're right on the cusp of getting out of the west like don't fuck it up by changing everything but i i happen to agree with that i think that that this team despite their issues despite the frustrations in playoff disappointment in the last three years you know unless something crazy happens with the lakers i think they probably would be my favorite coming out of the western conference next year if they just keep this team together and add a, a solid bet with the mini mid-level and and bring back some guys all right that's all, that's all we got on the rockets the clippers we mentioned the idea of butler potentially teaming up with Kawhi, but obviously Kawhi is the first domino there i don't see the clippers making an offer to butler just by himself quick hitter memphis we can hit these decline qualifying offers now memphis will not make a qualifying offer to tyler dorsey who i actually thought showed something just they had some lineups out there when conley wasn't playing and just like he is the only guy who could score uh but you know i think he's got some ability to shoot attack off the dribble not known as a great defense player they would still have early bird rights on him even though they're not making him a qualifying offer so they could bring him back in new orleans check diallo and stanley johnson will not receive qualifying offers no surprise there 
other. Uh, maybe Diallo. I, I was surprised on Diallo. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think maybe the new administration doesn't like him as much. And the thought is that you know they do have bird rights on him. They didn't want him taking his qualifying offer. They, I have them basically right at the max, and you know they could open up a little bit more space by waving some non-guaranteed guys to get to the max. I think they just didn't want that being impacted, and maybe if he just takes a qualifying offer. But you know, I wouldn't rule out him coming. But they also got Zion there. They've got Jackson Hayes, and they'll probably bring in another big in free agency. Maybe they just feel like there's no no place for him, and it might have even been a favor to decline the qualifying offer. And then Stanley Johnson, same thing. His qualifying offer would have been a lot more substantial, and you know, Stanley probably should have just taken that if they had offered it because I don't I don't see offers much above the minimum uh, for him. Uh, any other declines here that are interesting? Knicks, I guess. Yeah, Luke Cornett. I think he's more significant than Moutier because Moutier's cap hold was so much higher, even though the Knicks spending all their money is seems more challenging now than before but Cornette it was it was more modest and so that's a little bit of a surprise but not not a huge one I mean they already have Mitchell Robinson and they just having more flexibility could potentially be desirable and for a lot of these guys I mean Diallo Cornette included like it doesn't close the door on those players returning it just makes it a lot less likely because now they can negotiate with everybody they can do terms that that they're interested in so yeah I think that's notable and then do want we can just briefly do the uh the offered ones that are notable Jake Lehman Patrick McCaw that one actually surprised me considering he wasn't a huge part of what the Raptors did and then Nando DiColo just because the 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 Raptors situation is very fluid in terms of their cap situation and all that and he he both those guys could theoretically unless they sign it could be players who the team makes the qualifying offer and then withdraws it if it becomes impractical yeah I mean the Raptors have been making this qualifying offer to him every year but yeah why uh, stop now yeah he's been under contract in Europe uh for that time one of the best guards uh, in Europe combo guard can shoot it some pick and roll ability not terrible on defense but you know at 32 now you wonder how effective he could be i mean you could see a team bringing him in as a backup point guard i do think one of the lessons from the mock off season was the backup point guard market uh does kind of peter out you know when you get to maybe pass like you know overall 45 point guards in the league so getting him on there now you know you could see it go the way of sergio rodriguez where he gets the one-year deal for eight million it doesn't really work out and then he just goes back uh you know as i mean i think he could have been a really solid nba guard three four years ago but we'll see at this stage whether uh that works out uh kelly Oubre also getting a qualifying offer from phoenix uh, that's no surprise uh and then is that in the qualifying offers let me uh control f for the word the letter q in my document yeah that's all we got we did we haven't heard about a few yet uh we will update you on those ah uh frank kaminsky did not get a qualifying offer that just came down uh right now and then nerland's noel will decline his player option and become a free agent mock off season clutch client uh he ended up getting the room exception from the lakers we'll see whether his market materializes at that level uh we have a trade to announce that we haven't had a chance to get to yet. Yeah, and a tra- a player-for-player player swap with no compensation doesn't happen all that often for players that make similar money. And the Portland Trailblazers swap Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore. I prefer Bazemore on his contract to Turner at his contract. And it kind of sounds like part of what happened here was that Bazemore was getting more marginalized in the Hawks rotation, so they kind of wanted to do right by him to get him on a, on a more competitive team. I think he's a really interesting intriguing fit for the Blazers can defend guard positions can fit with both CJ and Dame so maybe this leads to Stotts changing the rotation again and staggering those guys because now they have Bazemore who can fit pretty well with both of them also maybe they'll play those three together with some frequency a point that Chris Vivalmore brought up which I thought was pretty striking is that after everything that's happened with them this offseason DeAndre 
Embry is now the longest tenured Hawk, which is pretty amazing. So that's a part of it from the Blazers' perspective. I think this was works out really well. And then for the Hawks, it sounds like they're going to use Evan Turner as their backup point guard. I'm skeptical of that, especially if that leads to Travis Schlenk not using as much money on an actual backup point guard, because you need somebody who can run pick and roll when Trey Young is in foul trouble or gets hurt or any or is just tired, all those sorts of things. And sometimes teams get into those problems of, oh, we're going to have this other positional guy run the show, and then they end up getting screwed when when maladies hit them. And I think that would, you know, even though the I don't think the Hawks are pushing for the playoffs or anything, I could, it seems like a foreseeable mistake right now. Yeah, and, you know, Bazemore is better. He's got a rare skill set. He, he can shoot. Now, the thought is he's not going to have playing time, obviously, in Atlanta with all the wings that, that they have. So it, maybe they feel like they're doing him a solid, and that, that's, that's reasonable. But I would actually honestly feel better if they just waived Evan Turner uh, because the idea of using him as a backup point guard when he can't shoot. Now, he could help them get a little better defensively. But, you know, this whole idea of Turner on the ball and guys off the ball, well, you don't have to guard Evan Turner as soon as he gives the ball up. So, you know, he yeah, okay, he can dribble the ball up the floor and pass to someone coming off a screen. Like, is that really like such a rare skill set? Like, I know he averages a lot of assists, but it's not like, you know, he's just like breaking down the defense, fire breathing down a, on the rim and you got to help emergency and he's setting guys up. Like most of his assists are kind of Rondo assists. So, you know, he's got decent passing vision, but it just, it's so outside of what has made the Hawks good to the extent that they have been in the last year that I really don't care for it. Couple other notes here on trades around the draft that are interesting. The Sixers, in addition to the one million dollars that John Simmons was owed this year, remember they traded him and the 42nd pick to the Wizards. The Sixers also got two million dollars in that deal. So basically, the Wizards bought the 42nd pick for three million dollars. Maybe they'll hold on to Simmons. There's a, a thought that he could push back his guarantee date, uh, but I, I don't see that happening because, uh, as we talked about in the Wizards offseason out look they just have very little room below the tax to fill out their roster they just have so many free agents it just doesn't make sense to keep Simmons on but uh the Knicks rumored to make an offer to DeMarcus Cousins a considerable one-year offer if they miss out on Kevin Durant Ian Begley saying today on TV that the Knicks are not necessarily optimistic but basically are kind of neutral which you know doesn't sound like to me like they're too optimistic and maybe James Dolan was a little bit too optimistic uh himself there going back to washington bradley beal has been told by ted leonsis tommy shepherd the interim gm and scott brooks that they won't trade him and bobby portis as reported by tony jones and fred katz is seeking as much as 16 million dollars in free agency 16 million dollars total right danny <laughs> i mean that seems closer <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and, and I always wonder, you know, when, when these sort of reports come out, whether they're based on, on something. And my thought is generally that, that they are at least a little bit. And so what Portis's market is going to be is potentially fascinating. Yeah. And, and quickly, I will recall two years ago, scoffing at Boyan Bogdanovich, potentially mm-hmm. wanting 10 million a year. And, you know, he only got $10 million guaranteed from the Pacers uh, when he was restricted free agents with the Wizards. But he obviously, that ended up actually being well worth 
worth it uh any the pacers picked up that second year non-guarantee for a little over 10 million dollars but man i mean if there is a team that's going to go 15 million dollars a year for portis i mean that would just be absolutely shocking i mean he did supposedly turn down the four for 50 from the bulls hey bulls bulls have space maybe if we go right back to the bulls uh big news in toronto mark gasol exercising his 25.6 million dollar player option i think that's probably a wise move uh given where the center market is at and just you know you would have thought maybe he'd opt out to come back for a longer term deal with toronto i don't know that that deal necessarily was offered although perhaps they would have wanted to lower the luxury tax bill but it seems like with next summer being a huge reset point whether they retain Kawhi or not for this team they wouldn't have necessarily wanted to commit anything beyond there uh what else we got here i think we can go to another high profile free agent but this one might or potential free agent this one might actually be changing teams so there's some reporting on thursday morning that there's been a shift in the kemba walker negotiations shams had it that there is a quote sizable gap and stalemate in talk so far and that it's opening up as as he put it a pathway for competitors in boston new york and dallas around the same time Woj tweeted that the celtics have emerged as the front runner so that's really significant from boston's perspective it could have ripple effects with terry rozier and a lot of other things and also for charlotte and now i think both of us have been pretty open that from a basketball perspective obviously i support kemba walker making any decision he wants but from a basketball perspective for my pers- my purposes i would much prefer to see kemba somewhere else because it's a better team presumably can can give him the chance to shine while he's still in his prime all of those sorts of things so we'll see how it plays out this could be posturing trying to get more of the money that the hornets can offer compared to everybody else but it is it is notable because i think that's the first time we've heard this reported as another team other than the hornets being the front runner especially in light of what kemba said to jared weiss earlier in the offseason yeah that he would be the the first priority and you know perhaps that was contingent on getting the supermax then kemba did say ah you know like i I might take less to help the team be competitive as we talked about it in charlotte's off-season outlook unless he's going to take 10 million dollars a year there probably wouldn't it's probably not going to help them be competitive because if he leaves they still with biombo would be over the cap uh now if they stretch biombo and they let all of their free agents most prominently jeremy lamb go they could have 20 million in space maybe to try to find a, another point guard i don't know who that is but i mean this is just this all goes back to two years ago when they should have traded him yeah all right you got the kumbaya moment of him being an all-star starter at the all-star game in charlotte hey maybe how hilarious would it be if like that bathroom bill that postponed the charlotte all-star game is the reason that they didn't trade him because they wanted to keep him around for the next all-star game and now they just got nothing for him but uh, i would love to know what those negotiations have been like with charlotte you know it seems probable to me that they're not offering him the full five-year max you know that's the sizable gap you would you would think and and charlotte considering how, how they are not a situation that is conducive to winning anytime soon especially in the early years of that contract which is when walker is still going to be maybe worth the max i don't think it makes sense for, from a basketball standpoint for them to bring him back uh for a team that's probably been way too focused on the optics uh, over the years i think him leaving would actually be a good thing for them ultimately although again they should have realized that two years ago but if he, if charlotte's not going to have a huge money advantage you know why is wh- what reason does kemba want to stay there other than just sentiment yeah uh, certainly fair so for the warriors kd has as, as expected declined that player option uh with respect to clay thompson reporting indicating that if the the warriors and actually i'm sorry we should do a better job of actually writing down who said the uh there's so many things but uh so i i apologize for being remiss in some of this but i know i uh past nate would never put it in there unless it were from a reliable reporter no uh, I, I believe this was sam Amick. i guess that should the warriors enter the meeting with a five-year 190 million dollar max 
contract both sides expect a quick agreement that actually i don't think was aiming but this is uh lakeup has shared his love for thompson publicly but a source with knowledge of thompson's situation says his private handling of the matter has still left the door out of the bay open ever so slightly so i think and that thompson wants to remain with the warriors but would be open to speaking to the clippers if talks break off with golden state my expectation is i, I mean we see this with all these warriors for agents who come back like draymond green you remember the five-year 82 million dollar deal that he signed was sort of contingent on tristan thompson signing a deal but then not actually signing a deal and holding out the whole season and getting to the point where, where he got like two million dollars more right at the start of training camp uh iguodala oh talks have broken off da, 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 da. the only one who really they haven't agreed uh haven't had these issues with you know clay even they they got him to agree to just slightly less than the max or, or the projected max and then the cap went up so he wasn't on a pure max contract last time the warriors always try to extract their pound of fr- flesh could that come back to haunt them this time i mean clay is coming off a torn acl i don't know that a in a, just a vacuum a five-year 190 million dollar contract for clay uh, at his aging without the torn acl is going to end that well you know generally that 30 percent five-year max for players who are you know in the 15 to 20 range or so and in, uh, in the league uh, even before the torn acl is that great but thompson does figure to age very well he's, he's always going to be a good fit you know he's not one of these guys who like all right as soon as he can't create off the pick and roll he's useless for you uh so i'm very interested to see i mean it, everyone is just assuming the warriors are going to throw in the five-year max he's going to stay i still highly predict that he's going to stay but i think we could see a little bit of posturing a little bit of negotiating here um yeah, I mean, to me, I think the Warriors shouldn't fuck around with this one. But as we talked about, especially if KD comes back, every dollar that they save is, you know, like six, seven dollars potentially in repeater tax saves. So if the Warriors history indicates that they aren't just going to roll in with the exact offer that he wants and just agree to it. Yeah, and and especially given the the no trade clause stuff and with Steph Curry's negotiation and all that kind of stuff, I, th- I think that's that's notable as well. A player who it doesn't uh, we already we already talked about that in the Maverick section, or we will talk about that in the Maverick section. One that I think is is interesting is something you and I have been kind of having in the back of our minds for a while is the Omar Ashik situation. So basically, he had a he they the Bulls decided to put a three million dollar hold on. The, on their books for the 1920 season instead of stretching it and fortunately for them yeah, they got- that was the to be clear uh background that was the guaranteed amount that he had with that five-year deal that he signed with the pels yes back in the summer of 2015 the bulls waived him and they had that three million dollar charge on their books uh but the expectation is that with his crohn's disease now that uh they could get that off their book right so we'll see if chicago actually uses it but they have that on the table so i i, I was I, I was trying to give background i ended up saying saying the whole thing unfortunately that's all right uh, uh, but but and and one of the potential targets for chicago that that came out is julius randall randall uh he, we'll see what his market is he declined that that player option for the 1920 season but chicago if they're looking for another offensive another offensive player randall theoretically could play with Markinen or Wendell carter depending on on lineup conception so it's not my favorite fit but it's also not an abysmal one yeah i mean it's one of the better ones for randall uh uh, Nick's also expected to be involved there uh, for him, although h- him and Cousins would be a hilarious fit together. Yeah, and, and quickly in Dallas, Patrick Beverly is seeking a deal in the three-year $40 million range. Tim McMahon has said that Beverly could be a, a key target of the Mavs. The Mavs continue to insist that they are not this 
Al Horford destination that, you know, this number that's out there four years, 112 million. He has that offer somewhere. Everyone's trying to figure out who the hell that team is. New Orleans says it's not them. Dallas says it's not them. I, I've even been told that by someone in the Dallas organization now. Uh, but to McMahon noting that Bill Duffy, who also represents Luca, is looking for this three year, 40 plus million dollar deal. Our circumspect, responsible negotiators in the mock off season were only willing to give Beverly two years, 24 million to go to the Mavs. And they also got Horford in that scenario and they stretched Courtney Lee to open up the additional space. But yeah, I do like the fit of Beverly in Dallas. You just, you worry a little bit about the age and the injury history at 31 for that type of money, that type of years that it could go wrong later in the contract. Nate, we get to do a live reaction. Oh baby. What is it? The Los Angeles Lakers are trading Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga and Jermario Jones to the Wizards. And Anthony Davis is waving his trade kicker. Wow. That is a surprising move for a rich Paul client to waive the trade kicker so that means now that the lakers will have 32 million in cap space i would have them with those moves with the 109 million dollar cap as being just under the max they might be able to get to max space if the cap goes up although obviously if the cap goes up the max goes up also but hey with everyone taking a discount in la and and, and by the way that's pretty selfless for anthony davis to give up four million bucks so the lakers uh, can get to max space and i think this is a good piece of business for the Wizards as well. I mean, they got three players on reasonable contracts and uh, Shams has it that the Lakers are sending their 2022 second to facilitate, which isn't, which isn't much because at that point, the Lakers should still be very good, but they get three players that can help. We we talked about the Wizards depth stuff that came up in the mock-off season, a series of different times, though I am disappointed that they ended up coming to a solution that did not involve the Alex Caruso sign and trade because that was my favorite permutation of this, but very good for the Lakers. Davis sacrificing that trade bonus is I agree with you that that is significant, especially because the Lakers could have constructed the trade differently and not had him do that. But now, now we get to see what the Lakers do with a full max slot, full max yeah, meaning the seven to nine, not the yeah. Well, and that's pretty good news probably for Jimmy Butler too. I would say that's excellent. Another, news for another Jimmy possible, Butler. another possible destination for him, whether to just go there or to use that as leverage against the Sixers. Sixers, uh, you know, maybe a player would have to take slightly less than the max. We've always seen players really. Oh, I want to be a straight up max player but you know is two hundred thousand dollars really gonna make the difference uh, i mean i guess it ends up being close to a million dollars over a four-year deal but nonetheless uh kudos to anthony davis for doing that and helping the lakers open up uh, the max space should we turn to a team that anthony davis probably would not have waived his trade kicker to acquire should you go to <laughs> yeah sure who is that team the boston celtics <laughs> well no 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 we got a couple more news on ah that. it was such a nice transition oh. oh yeah sorry dude no it's all right it happens uh that remember that second rounder or or the first rounder number 30 that Detroit traded to the Cavs to get Kevin Porter. The reporting was four first rounders and five million dollars. Well, it's come out now actually what those are, are, four, are second four second rounders. Yeah, guy, I make that mistake too often. Four second rounders and five million dollars going back to Detroit. We found out what those seconds are though, and they're pretty crappy. Twenty twenty Jazz. That's not going to be in the top half. You know, you always talk about really forty five is kind of the line of demarcation of where you're going to get good players, and, and almost never you're going to get them below fifty. In particular, hard to see the Jazz being in the 
top half of the second round 2021 blazers yeah it's two years from now maybe things will change there but still i think a good bet for the blazers to be a playoff team two years from now they got damon cj who are both under contract i believe at that time and then 2023 blazers okay maybe they'll be in a transition at that point that could be a pretty good one and then that top 55 protected pick from the heat that i think went over in the Dwayne wade deal that was just you know pretty much meaningless uh, from two years ago unclear whether there's additional protections hopefully for detroit's case or not but it really seems like this is about the five million dollar and that's a lot of money to be sure this isn't quite just straight up outright selling the pick if you're the pistons but it's pretty darn close and the last team to just straight up sell a pick again this isn't quite that but pretty close is the 2013 nuggets who sold the number 27 pick to the jazz and the player who was sold remembered that and still wears number 27 to this day and just won a second defensive player of the year award that's right and then we also want to talk about some news encouraging i believe at the league-wide level kevin arnovitz reporting that at least the idea of reducing the schedule has been discussed adam silver had comments that they might consider that earlier this month and a few interesting quotes I have maintained, not that this would happen, but it is actually possible that league revenues could go up or stay the same if they reduce the schedule due to just increased scarcity. I mean, the NFL makes more money than God, and they obviously don't have as many games as the NBA. So I don't find it fait accompli that revenue is going to reduce, at least in the long term. The biggest issues in reducing the schedule, because the idea would be it's over the same amount of time, but just fewer games. The national TV games, they could still have the same schedule there, but then it's local TV inventory particularly for teams that are on national tv a lot where you could see a reduction there presumably the ratings would go up if there were fewer games ticket revenue would in theory go up uh, as well um you know some people have tried to study this a little bit using the lockout years i don't think that that's really a great way of studying it because you're compressing there are even more games in terms of frequency in a given period during the lockout and fans are also pissed off because there was just a lockout and in 1999 in particular the quality of play was garbage uh 2012 i think the ratings actually went up despite the games being more compressed so that is actually something that apparently some people have made an economic case according to arnovitz that exactly what i just said the nba's regular season games being more scarce and meaningful uh could actually help the league's economics again i don't think anyone really knows the answer to that um but however according to sources who are on this call discussing the potential schedule reduction the appetite among team officials for a a major reduction in the number of games is limited you and i you also agree that 58 games uh play every team twice is the way to go right is that yes I know that's been, yeah and yeah i, I, I would do that and that. i would also open the door maybe for for expansion so maybe that gets into the low 60s at that yeah. point but yeah that that basic idea also that would open up some some really interesting stuff in terms of the playoffs and, and other things but yeah that that would be the basic idea and you know any reduction is better than 82 but i would that that would be the end game for me and i agree with you that the the i would love to see the insight in terms of what the change in revenue would be and also remember from the team's perspective only half of that revenue reduction is borne by them the other half is borne by the player should it exist so it's not as big of a financial risk for the team perspective because eventually salaries will adjust too yeah of course players will have to agree on this it might be subject to the next cba i mean i think it's good that they're talking about this but i, I might cons- and maybe we could get them down to like 75 games you know and you know i think it's it will have to be piecemeal if it is done and also the thing that does suck a little bit is that career records will really be impacted but the nba has more really been about per game averages than that so i i don't think that's the end of the world you just would have to i mean there's always all 
context changes during eras when you're trying to compare so uh all right now we can get to the boston celtics their cap situation mr larue there's their variability variables with the celtics because they have a bunch of restricted free agents and they also have cap holds for kyrie irving al horford and marcus morris the basic number that i'm using is if they retain rosier and daniel tice's cap holds and semi ojale that they would have about 26 million to use but then they could move beyond that you know in a couple different ways so let's say we just talked about kemba walker the kemba walker possibility is there but i don't think many of us expected the celtics to be a cap space team this offseason a few weeks ago but now with the al horford news that becomes a much more pressing and more relevant path for them yeah so and that number sorry did you say the number i was checking to see if we didn't have any more news <laughs> that just came down uh did, did you say the number that they would have yeah I, I said 26 it's probably actually yeah. closer to 25 but again that depends on rosier and tice right. and some of the other stuff yeah so i mean the the two main variables are the cap hold of terry rosier restricted free agent uh you know they i they made him a qualifying offer obviously but he's not going to just take that and mess up their plans he'll want to be unrestricted and go elsewhere nick's actually rumored to have a little bit of interest there and i'm sure many other teams would be interested but so his nine million is one variable cap hold of marcus morris which is about 10 million is the other variable you take both of those off the books and you still have restricted free agents tice wanamaker and jonathan gibson but those are you know each below two million dollars you got 34 million in space 32.7 obviously is the number to bring in walker you keep tice's hold there you still would have enough uh and they probably will want to keep tice's hold because if you bring in walker and sign him to that four-year max deal they basically have no big men on the roster at this point in time other than gershon yabasele who uh and robert williams williams you know has shown some promise but has been kind of a knucklehead and you don't want to count on him so tice they would probably want to bring him back he's too small to start and i thought he had a disappointing year last year coming off that knee surgery compared to his first year so you're probably looking at the room exception for centers and trying to find someone in that price range so given all that they lose rosier they lose morris there's not really anyone else other than Yabasele you could trade to open up more space to hold on to the cap hold of Marcus Morris, who I'm sure they'd love to keep if they could, but probably won't be able to. Now you're getting your starting center with the room exception. You're signing Walker to a four-year, $140 million deal. Is that a good move for the Celtics? Or, think- or are they better off just kind of slow playing it and trying to build still? The problem with slow playing it is that some of their players are about to get raises. So Jalen Brown becomes extension eligible this offseason. And if he, they don't agree to an extension, he has a $19.6 million cap hold. Now we'll see where his, his price point is. I could imagine Brown not like they're, they're not being a middle, a middle area for these two teams, the two sides to agree on an extension. And so if they retain Jalen Brown, it's probably going to be at a significant price. And then Jason Tatum gets his extension or new contract starting in 21. 22. So they still don't have a lot in their books. 21 is when Gordon Hayward will come off. He has that player option, which we expect him to pick up. So rolling it over is possible, but I don't think it creates as much flexibility. So, you know, I, I think if it the threshold for me would be pretty high, but I think Kemba Walker meets that. And then the other thing to mention with Marcus Morris is he's an unrestricted free agent. So there is a distinct possibility that he just wants to be somewhere else, especially with the, you know, the writing maybe being on the wall. If, if they intend for Gordon Hayward to be a starter, 
starter. Maybe that squeezes Morris out of the starting five. So I, I think that's probably what I would do, but it is a close call. Yeah, I mean, if you think uh, not Tim Bontemps will get a nice little litmus test for his Kyrie Irving uh, isn't as good as Kemba Walker take this year in theory, but also worth remembering that they're going to lose Al Horford in this scenario. So defense could be a major concern for this team. So much, of course, will depend on Gordon Hayward getting back to the level that he was at in Utah or even somewhat close to that. You know, just having him be some relatively middling reserve doesn't help that much. Although, you know, now with Walker in the fold, how much of a role is Hayward necessarily going to have to have the ball in his hands and really get back to being that kind of every down option? They've still got Tatum and Brown, of course. Marcus Smart is available. Maybe you could see them trying to move Smart for a big man. Smart is a great defensive player on the wing, but they also have pretty decent defenders there already, especially if Hayward can can get back closer to where he was for. And you might say, hey, we just got to get a big man who who can defend if we're going to have a more well-balanced team. Uh, they also really need a big who can roll to the basket with this group. And that's not something, you know, Brad Stevens has really favored these elbow bigs who can shoot threes. Uh, I think you need a good pick and roll partner for Kemba Walker. Like that's what he does. He runs the most pick and rolls in the league. Um, you know, I don't see Walker, you know, you might see him shifting into a little bit of that Isaiah Thomas role, sprinting off screens at the elbows, getting into the paint in addition to the pick and roll stuff. Um, you know, I think Brad certainly has a pretty good idea of how to use Walker. He's, he's, I think, faster than Irving and could just be overall more effective off the ball. He doesn't, Walker is a pick and roll guy. He's not really an ISO guy. So I, I do like the fit there. It's just, again, you for the 29-year-old Walker, undersized, what is that contract going to look like in three or four years? In some ways, this contract is a bet that Tatum, Hayward, and Braun aren't going to take big steps forward and that you just need something else. And yeah, certainly this move makes is the best move they could make to be good this year. Is that get them into Eastern Conference title contention? Probably not, unless just there are massive defections in Toronto, Philly, and Milwaukee. So I, I'm torn on it. I mean, I think you go there because then it's just like, you know, what else are you doing with that space anyway? You know, you're trying to hunt for bargains or bring back Rozier. I mean, Rozier is probably going to be more overpaid than Kemba over the next few years. You try to bring back Morris, then you use another 50 million in space. It, like the, the counterfactuals certainly for this year are not great. Yeah, you might have that one big block of a contract later on that might be difficult to move, but at least Walker can shoot. You know, you hope he's going to age okay. Uh, I'm just worried that they're not going to be able to stop anybody with this team. And, you know, maybe they just sign the best center they can with the room exception, go into the season. Maybe the extension talks with Jalen Brown go poorly. They might want to trade him. So I think you get Walker under contract. He's a really good player. Again, these. 30% max contracts for guys of his level don't usually turn out well by the end. But the question is what else you're doing? And I don't have a great answer to that question. So I, I think you do it. Um, and, and it just kind of gets you back in the mix and you still have a lot of tradable assets. You still got that Memphis pick going forward too. You might be able to pick up someone else who would fit really well, pick up a big man who can uh, get your defense to the level. Would be. I mean, I think this would be a really good offense. I could see their offense being even better than it was with Kyrie last year, potentially, depending on who that big ends up being. Yeah. And they would still have Marcus Smart on the roster. So some of they could do some interesting lineup stuff and also i think boston should they do that deal and this is a criticism like if i had run boston in the mock-up season i would have handled it differently than dan he he acknowledged that in kind of the end game thing of that i would prioritize power point guard over center because there it's a lot easier to get value at the minimum or the room exception there and i could see a player who gets kind of lost in the falls through the cracks of the early stages free agency which is going to happen with the center that's just the way it works taking a one-year deal with boston because that 
that's a fantastic opportunity. Maybe that isn't the right fit because the defensive guys get prioritized and get signed, but I think someone is going to be available. The idea in my head is Dwayne Dedman. I could imagine him maybe taking a little bit less, but saying I'm going to get a lot of exposure being the starting center on the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, he's 29. I think you got to just get the money that you need to get. If it's there, if it's there absolutely. But if yeah. it's, if let's say he's not getting more than two years and like six million a year, well, I mean, that's then, then I think you start to get there. And so I hope somebody pays Deadman more than that. I'm a believer in him, but it's possible. And, and there, by volume, there's going to be somebody. I, he's just my, my kind of my gut instinct of somebody who might be undervalued compared to what we like. Yeah. And that room exception, by the way, most you can go is a two year contract starting at $4.8 million. So just under $10 million for two years. If you've been listening to us for a while, you probably have that number seared in rain <laughs> by now. Um, who might be available at that price? You mentioned Deadman. I think his market's going to be higher than that. Um, Robin Lopez could be someone that they could bring in. You know, there's a question of, do you need to bring in kind of this bruiser center? You got Joel Embiid in this conference. You got Marcus Gasol in this conference. So do you need that one big center? You know, can you go with an Ed Davis type to start when he's a, a little bit skinnier? And other than Robin Lopez, you don't really have many options for that big bruiser. The only other one would be Ennis Cantor. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at maybe Kevon Looney or Rashawn Holmes, or uh, I mentioned Davis. DeAndre Jordan could be on their list, although it does seem like the Nets is where he's going to end up if uh, Kyrie and KD go there. If not, then maybe DeAndre Jordan could be on their list as well. But that's about it. You know, there's not really in their price range that many big, you know, they I might even consider if I were them just spending the minimum on your big bruiser type, you know, like even like a Costa Kufus or a, you know, Kylo Quinn could be an interesting one or like a Joakim Noah or Salamedri and then spending your room exception on the more versatile big who comes off the bench, but probably closes games for you in most situations. You know, maybe you still would get Davis or Looney there. Um, God, maybe even Boban could be in the mix a little bit. Uh, I think he's probably just too slow to play pick and roll though. But so yeah, there's, there's not a ton of options for them. Again, they've always got trade options available as well. Uh, so I'm uh, very interested to see where this goes. If they do get Walker, let's say they don't get Walker. Now they've got Terry Rozier as a free agent. Mock off season, he wasn't able to get an offer from another team. Ended up having to sell uh, four years, $50 million, the same as, as Marcus Smart. But he was coming back as the starter in that scenario. Rozier, of course, would be unrestricted if they get Walker. They'd have to renounce him. But if they are looking at Rozier as coming back as the starter what do you think that market looks like or, or not the market but what, what would your your initial offer to kind of keep him from testing the market be you know it seems like he's going to want over 15 million a year i don't know if i want to go there i wouldn't i i'm not a huge fan of of terry rosier and so it, it would be lower than that and i also think that in the scenario we're talking about there it becomes more plausible to get back on the market in 2020 and i haven't worked all the way through it but i'm, I'm imagining that point guard class is more inspiring because it's hard to be less inspiring than this group out there oh, i don't know about that well of the, if, if let's say kemba's off the table like i mean rubio is not a particularly good fit with this d'angelo russell be kind of compelling i guess yeah no, i mean there are a few there there's van vliet's Jeff T, Goran Dragic, Cal yeah. Lowry next year. Conley, maybe. Mike Conley. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think you just you don't make Rozier the big offer. Now he's been a total malcontent, uh, and he tried to go on ESPN a couple months ago and just after they got eliminated and say how miserable he was, he kind of wants out of there. But you know that that's all could just be part of the posturing to try to get a better deal. I think he my strategy would be to just you know offer something below fifteen million a year and then just play the free agent game. And if he gets close to twenty, just let him go. And you could now your problem there is the timing because if that offer sheet comes in maybe you get intel that that offer is really there from another team and you can just let him go but if he gets that 20 million dollar year offer and takes it and then leaves you don't want to match well now you can't get anyone else necessarily at that point and you know you would think that there are guys who they might be interested in as a stopgap like a darren collison or a george hill Corey joseph those type of guys to just come in and be a stopgap and just have hayward handle the ball a lot Braun tato i mean those those are all the, the presumably all three of those guys be starting they got marcus smart still too i mean maybe smart could just start at the one for them that might be a possibility also and you just let rosier go so maybe marcus smart starting at the one is your backstop but hopefully if this huge offer is coming and they really believe that they can just renounce him let him go sign that offer and then pick up someone you know, they'll need a backup point guard too at that point and you know if they lose him that's nine million in space they won't have until uh quite some time has passed if they go the conventional restricted free agent uh route anyone else you like for them with their space if they don't get walker it's it's challenging because i think this is too early to like theoretically go after another wing even though i'm not super high on gordon hayward yeah. i also don't know who would take their money in that circumstance like chris middleton would be an interesting fit with their other guys but i don't think he'd necessarily want that and i don't I, i'm sure people will talk about vooch and we'll talk about maybe like demarcus cousins or something like brooke lopez would be interesting uh very interesting as as would uh malcolm brogdon yeah i mean because if they don't get kemba I really don't mind going after a restricted free agent for them because you're just trying to build much more towards the future. I think if you don't get Kemba, being competitive this year may not be that realistic. You know, maybe you could split it up between a wing and a point guard and a big. And but you know, again, you're not going to be competing for the Eastern Conference Championship. Uh, and Wick Rusbuck has said many times that they are all about, and so is their management. They're all about winning championships. They're not about just save face and you know, let's get the four seed now next year. Especially when you consider that big draft pick that they might have you mentioned Jalen Brown's capital like they wouldn't necessarily have cap space next year so maybe there is kind of a use it or lose it thought you know with Braun going up you know they would have like 20 million in cap space and that's before you even throw in that Memphis pick and their own pick next year and they got that Milwaukee pick next year too they got three first round draft picks in theory again next year so that would probably eat up another 10 million or so you're, you're really not gonna have space next year so maybe this is kind of a use it or lose it situation but they might try and do that for some younger players or restricted free agents uh, and we've seen that oh we're gonna use it or lose it let's just sign guys to sign them you know that's what got a lot of people in trouble in 2016 when they had guys whose cap holds really going up yeah and miami in 2017 when they didn't get gordon hayward right. and gordon hayward would be another way for boston to clear space they could try to trade him or stretch him if, if need be if the if the right player was available in 2020 they could make that happen not seems like they don't want to but theoretically they could yeah marcus morris is another one too where they might just try to keep his cap hold on the book but it sounds like uh low and windhorse were talking about this yesterday that he might have a pretty big offer and so that's not one that you want to pay for him at age 29 coming off the best shooting season of his career uh i, I know they like him there but it doesn't doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to bring him back uh unless you're trying to compete which you're probably just not going to be able to do this year you know if horford were sticking around then yeah absolutely but you know, it doesn't appear that that is in the card I mean, it's interesting though you know would you rather pay at this point al horford what it would take to bring him back i mean it sounds like talks have stalled but maybe they could be restarted or would you rather pay 
Kemba Walker the Mac. You know, if Horford yeah. is in the four for one fifteen range, you Horford's such a wonderful offer. fit with their roster, and I, I think they would they could use the trade assets to go for a, a point guard. You know, you, they probably had a, I would rather go that route than cap space probably, or you know the limited the limited flexibility they'd have, and maybe then maybe you can try to squeeze Rozier into a reasonable contract and use him as filler in that sort of a trade down the line. But yeah, I mean, I like I like Kemba a lot, but Horford his his fit is just so great, and especially now that yeah. Beans is gone. Yeah, it's just Horford's four years older than Kemba too. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I think if you get Kemba, they've got the assets to solve the center problem yeah yeah i mean your hope is that if you get kemba your one through four might be a championship level group at some point and then you got the assets to go add that five and really improve your defense if you need to that's that's the hope at least or you've got the assets to trade for a star and you could use uh, potentially hayward uh, uh, as salary fodder there anything else on these guys no i think that's it we have a new sponsor to tell you about twine we all have big things in the future that we're saving toward but it could be hard not to spend the money that's in your bank account with the twine app saving money towards your financial goals just got easier you can save with a cash savings account or you can invest in a portfolio that's customized for you based on your needs with automatic deposits from your bank to twine you can set it forget it and save without even trying it's got to be nice to just put that money into your savings without the temptation to spend the extra money you could even share a goal with a partner and save together with twine you can save and invest for the things that matter to you house car furniture renovations all it takes is five dollars and two minutes to get started right now they're actually offering you fifteen dollars to help you save for your goals at twine t-w-i-n-e twine.com slash cap space easier slash cap space we talk about it all the time on the program when you open your first goal twine will add fifteen dollars to your account go to twine.com slash cap space today get that fifteen dollars towards your first savings goal twine.com slash cap space and let them know that slash cap space url that you came from us Back to regularly scheduled programming. Still got five teams to look at this offseason. Before we get into the official start of the offseason, we will, of course, have a pod for you on Sunday night, uh, wrapping up all of the early agreements. Free agency starts a little earlier this year, so now we should really have uh, some interesting stuff for you by the time we record late, late Sunday night. And right now, though, it's time to talk about uh, the Dallas Mavericks became a much more interesting team this offseason. We thought a Initially, they had vaporized their cap space in the Porzingis trade by taking on Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway, but then they moved on from Harrison Barnes and, in fact, are pretty darn close to max cap space now. Uh, What's it look like for these guys going into the offseason here? The number that I'm using for the Mavericks is $30.9 million for right now. You you can move it a couple different directions based on some non-guarantees and pending free agents, but I think that's a, a pretty good one to use. And that does not include so that's how much cap space that does not include a potential wave and stretch of Courtney Lee or a few other things but really that's the amount of cap space that Dallas has at this moment and it's an important number also because our expectation is that Dallas has significantly more spending power this summer than next summer because of the structure not only with Kristaps Porzingis getting a raise off his cap hold but Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba as well yeah and the one decision they need to make 
is June 29th, whether to non-guarantee Ryan Brokoff and his uh, $1.4 million. You imagine they would do that if they did want to bring him back. They could just do it again at, at the minimum uh, after all this is c- concluded. So they open up another 500000 in cap space there. And then you mentioned Finney Smith and Kleba. Those guys uh, have $1.9 million and $1.8 million cap holds as restricted free agents. Uh, Maxi Kleba is Arenas Limited, uh, as we saw in the mock-off season that mattered i don't know if cleve is going to get that big of offers in real life uh they also have early bird rights on trey burke whom uh if they wanted to keep his cap on the books it would be at the minimum 1.6 million you could see them maybe keeping that on there and, and wanting to bring him back they don't have a ton at the point guard position right now uh, they have a number of different ways they can go in free agency they've been linked to al horford although then uh, vehemently denying that one would guess maybe because Kemba Walker is supposedly their first priority but overall I think it's useful Dane to just talk about what they have on this team right now both for this year and then who we view as the long-term pieces with this group going forward right now yeah it is an interesting conversation with them also because of the positional flexibility that some of their key pieces have so Luka Doncic the recently crowned rookie of the year I think of him personally I think defensively I think of him more as a you know a 2-3 but I like him better on threes just because he's a little bit slower but it depends you don't want him on the best ones obviously and then with Porzingis he has primarily played power forward in his career I believe both of us feel pretty strongly that the end game is Porzingis as a center. I talked a little bit with Sam Vecini on Real Jam Radio about how I think Brooke Lopez, his role in Milwaukee could be a basic template, at least defensively, but maybe even offensively too, even though Porzingis, I think, is more versatile at this point in his career, Yeah, to to go after it. And those skills work a lot better with a center. They, it's easier to add four spacing at the four. And then outside of that, I'm sure they're hoping that Jalen Brunson can be a, could, that could be a starter in the future. I'm not as sold I think is maybe the Mavericks are. So what that means is you can add a lot of different pieces around those guys, depending on supply, basically on who says yes. Yeah, Brunson, you don't see him as a high-end starter, but as a tough defensive player, 35% from downtown on 181 attempts last year, uh, had a pretty darn good year. It was actually fourth on the team in minutes uh, when it was all over. Obviously, that was affected by some of the trades uh, as well. So it wouldn't be, to me, the end of the world as long as they have solid depth at that position to go into the offseason or, or to go into the season with Brunson as the starter. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to kill you there and, and he can hit a, an open three reasonably enough. I don't know. I mean, it's only 181 attempts, so I don't know if you can take that 35% to the bank necessarily. And then, you know, they've got Porzingis, they've got Don Stream. You know, Tim Hardaway can provide some scoring. He really strikes me more as a, a bench guy. Courtney Lee played very little there, played, had that neck issue early in the season in New York. I don't know if they necessarily can expect him uh, to be in the rotation. He also may be a, a stretch candidate or a, a trade candidate. They don't have much ammo left to move him with, considering that they didn't have a first round pick this year. And then they got the two more that they owe to New York in the future from the Porzingis trade. But you would hope he could maybe be a rotation piece on the wing. Then Finney Smith is a restricted free agent. And um, so it's really. Uh, 
whether they want to put their resources into another big next to Porzingis you know I would say that point guard while Kemba Walker is certainly maybe the best player right now that they could hope to get the fit with Doncic is not a perfect one he can shoot when he's playing off the ball that's for sure which is good uh but he's not great defensively uh especially with this size so if you've got Doncic and you've got Kemba Walker at the one and the three stopping people could become an issue uh you know Porzingis can help with that but uh certainly as one of the better rim protectors in the game but you know you want to have something uh, on the perimeter so I, I think you know it seems like between Horford Walker or kind of the split your cap space up on, on a bunch of veterans with the idea that just Porzingis and Doncic are two stars and we just need role players around them that's an interesting question uh, of how you'd want to go there and I think a lot of it depends on you know what sort of contracts those role players would need because these guys could also potentially have cap space in the summer of 2021 when Hardaway comes off the books you know they, they could still be pretty light in terms of Doncic still being uh, on the last year of his rookie deal then Porzingis would be on a Mac but you could have maybe 50 million or so in cap space that offseason so do you want to just go role players like the best role players you can get on two-year deals right now or do you go with Walker Horford get better now but you know then maybe two years from now you're not as good because those guys will be uh, towards the end of those contracts and typically you overpay for performance at the beginning of contracts on guys at their age which of course Walker is 29 Horford is 33 and along those lines it also is harder to pivot let's say free agents are interested in Dallas those later years of those contracts are harder to move so even if they if they wanted to let's say to to swap Horford for a a newer model or something like that so it's a harder sell to make if you if you have those guys on four-year contracts even if you know if, if you the cap space is more valuable and it very well could be I mean that year when you consider how young Luca and Porzingis are that might be the best time to strike now it's too far out for us to know exactly like which teams are going to have cap space and everything like that but if things go well the next couple of years could imagine Dallas being a very desirable free agent destination at that point it's entirely possible if not exceedingly likely that all of the major major markets or at least the the three big ones will be out of the free agent derby at that point they will have signed their guys to long enough contracts that they'll largely be out of it so it could be really interesting if Dallas wants to play it that way to go for these shorter term contracts and understand that the best times are yet to come but that's a lot to ask well this is another huge variable that it seems like no one is talking about with Dallas and it's a part of the reason why I thought that trade for the Knicks was pretty good now if we're going to talk about the Knicks in a second if they don't necessarily get the type of free agents they're looking for then that trade doesn't look as good but Kristaps Porzingis hasn't played in you know it'll have been 20 months by the time this season starts and he certainly his mobility for his size his athleticism that's part of of what made him so good also the fact that he may not stay healthy again you know i mean he had a number of concerning lower body injuries that culminated in that acl issue and started to experience some reduced effectiveness due to sprained ankles hips and all sorts of stuff there so and at 7-3 those guys don't have the greatest history of staying healthy either he's a little thinner than some of those guys but you know he's never made it through a season without either nagging injuries or decline in effectiveness by the end of the year not to mention you know he hasn't even come close to the playoffs so you know if he could pick up right where he left off with the Knicks and Luka takes another big step forward then yeah you know signing a Horford or a Walker makes more sense because you're you've got you know two players in Porzingis and Doncic who 
might be top 20 guys in the league as early as this season and then you add another one of those guys and you really you know with the west being wide open you might even be competing in the next couple of years but as far as Doncic taking a step forward I mean part of the reason people weren't as high on him to start with was his ceiling I don't think those concerns are overblown but still maybe an issue uh you know maybe it doesn't make as much sense now part of the reason why uh, Tim McMahon was talking about this the other day that they want to bring in the best possible free agent now is even if those players may decline in the future is just to get Doncic and Porzingis playoff experience early on in their careers and that that's important as you know especially for someone like Doncic where okay you you put up some stats on a bad team he doesn't take care of his body amazingly well you know defense isn't incredibly important Porzingis has never been in the playoffs and and to just get an idea of what these guys actually are going to be in that crucible and also teach them what they need to improve on you know I think that does have a a value and the Mavs you know have been out of the playoffs uh, for some time now as well and could get some more momentum as a franchise by getting back there another player who could factor into this 2021 plan is it sounds like Dwight Powell is going to get an extension or not it technically won't yeah it'll be an extension because he opted in it was that whole weird thing where he opted out and opted in and opted out again and presumably that will cover multiple seasons beyond the current one where he's under contract for 10.3 million so that could cut into the space significantly Kleba could Dorian Finney-Smith could but the thing is they have so little on the books right now basically Brunson Luca and then we all expect Kristaps Porzingis to be on the books then and they'll have like a couple of draft picks but not a ton because they have all the stuff that's owed to the Knicks so even with some added salary the Mavericks could still have some spending power there but if you start adding in a a high-priced veteran this year then the math starts to get more complicated yeah and Powell you know we'll see what his extension ends up being if it's close to that 10 million number certainly for a backup center at 10 million a year you don't care for that he does provide an important role on this team though uh as a, a guy who can dive to the basket i think luca is more of a kind of pass it over your head type of guy shoot from the outside or if he does get to the basket he's he's not just blowing by guys and getting right on top of the rim you know it's more kind of shooting the floater game it's posting up so having a dive guy and a lob guy i think really helps luca whereas if it's someone like the departed dennis smith who wants to get on top of the rim then maybe a pop guy makes a little bit more sense uh and Powell, you know can play in combination with porzingis with porzingis being a pop guy but you know you defensively just Powell doesn't quite measure up to me as far as guarding power forwards protecting the rim like that's the big limitation in his game we gotta still hit on what the porzingis negotiations might look like um but let's say it comes down to walker on a four-year max deal or al horford at that reported four for 112 offer that's supposed to be out there for him from some mystery team which of those players would you be prioritizing i really like having two capable ball handlers and while there there are plenty of reasons like i think this is a close call it's funny because i ran the mavericks in the mock off season and prioritized kemba walker i i like the idea of having another guy to take dissipate some of the pressure and even though small point guards generally don't age particularly well and walker could be headed for that he would have a more modest workload there it wouldn't be charlotte where he's the alpha and the omega and so yeah obviously some of his you know like his per and his uh some of his other stats will drop but i think his effectiveness could go up and also walker having the workload he did at the end of games i thought really was was hard for him and so having that for dallas having somebody also for luca i think could be really useful another guy who can run pick and roll with porzingis and all of their other bigs would be really interesting but i am really intrigued by the defensive potential of a horford porzingis pairing i think that could be a a really good clarifier in terms of what porzingis ideal role is without sacrificing defense in the interim and the offensive fit would be really fun too yeah it's uh, it's tough i mean 
Mourinho. I think as far as right now, Horford might make them better right now. I really am concerned about their ability to stop people, especially when Porzingis is off the court, if they get Kemba and this kind of just their team. Uh, you know, Kleba might be able to help with that if, if he comes back, of course. Now there's a mystery door number three too. You know, McMahon was saying uh, on Dallas radio yesterday that Beverly could be a, a priority for them in the mock offseason. They actually got him for two years, 24 million. Interesting to see what his market is going to be. He's one of those guys who fits a lot of places, so will have a lot of suitors, but you know, none of them particularly are going to want to overpay for him. He's also 31 as well. You know, you wonder about him staying healthy and or maintaining effectiveness. You could also see Luca as more of a the point guard. You can't defend point guards, but you could just go for more wings uh, around him. Danny Green could be a fit there uh, if they want to go more in the short term. Your your Trevor Reese's all the usual uh, three and D suspects. I don't really see Bogdanovich is fitting there. I I actually think Chris Middleton would be an awesome fit. Agreed with these guys. Uh, I mean, you imagine that he, it would be more of a leverage play for him, and he's going to want to go back to Milwaukee. But you know, it could at least they could at least make Milwaukee pay more. <laughs> um, I don't see these guys making an offer for another team's restricted free agent. Do you agree with that? I, it's I don't just like too the, long to yeah. wait, and I don't think any of the the guys that are available are particularly you know just like such a good fit where it's where the juice is worth the squeeze. Well, and it's funny too. D'Angelo Russell is kind of like the point guard version of Luca, like pretty good shooter, not great getting to the rim, great floater game, post up a little bit, not that great defensively, pretty slow. You know, I don't really care for his fit uh with Luca. Um, you know, if he becomes unrestricted, it would be a way to get more talent and more young talent on the team. So uh, that might be a thought there uh that they could get in on that market, but I, I, they haven't really been linked to him at all. Uh, you know, I think a George Hill might be a, a good option on, on one of you know maybe a two year type of deal. I don't know if he's going to start for you though. That's a bit of a question. Uh, they could have a Seth Curry return. Yeah, again, I I I, I really would be prioritizing defense in any free agency transaction. You know, so I mean, and there are some wings. You know, Damari Carroll could come back for. I mean, they don't have you know, Dorian Finney-Smith to me. If you're trying to win right now, his defense uh, I thought took a major step forward last year, but his shooting was good right at the beginning, and he looked more comfortable taking it. But you never trust his jump shot yet. So you know, I really prefer him as a bench option than as your your starting three. But again, if you get Walker, you get Horford. That's probably what you're looking at. I mean, you're using most of your cap space there. Now, maybe another option too would be you get Horford, uh, and if it's only uh, only quote unquote 110 million, you start him around 25 or so with the with the raises, and then you could stretch Courtney Lee, and you still might have like another 10 million or so slot, and use that to go and get a wing. That would be another potential option as well. Yeah, or use it to get a point guard like it did in the mock off season. Uh, those are yeah. those are options that are on the table. And and Beverly, part of the reason I I targeted him in particular was that he can defend bigger players as well. So he brings some versatility there, especially as an individual defender. And I, I am really interested in, in just kind of whether the Mavericks take one big bite or a series of smaller ones because they do have a lot of needs in the immediate and it's hard to fill some of those spots. You know, Kleba and, and Finney Smith are in a weird place because they're going to be, as long as they get matched, parts of this team, but they have low cap holds. But, you know, they're going to, Mavericks are going to need to do well with the room exception. I think they're going to need to do well with some of their minimum contracts. And it's entirely possible, especially because I think Carlisle has done a nice job getting something out of point guards. So maybe they can get a minimum 
a minimum guy there in the depth piece because he often plays two in the second unit, sometimes three with the Energizer Bunny lineup. So I think they can make some of those things work. But remember, th- like th- this team does not have a lot that was just like locked in right now. And some of the pieces that are under contract could easily be moved as well. A return to Texas for Avery Bradley on a lower deal might make some sense as well. You have Luca be the point guard on offense. Bradley guards the point guard on defense, that type of, and can hit some spot up shots. You hope he was better in Memphis, but that was only a, a short period. He, he was one of the worst starters in the NBA, maybe the worst starter in the NBA when he was on the Clippers. But that, that might be a good fit depending uh, on where the money falls to be sure. But yeah, I mean, three is not a deep uh, position here uh, in this year's free agent class and generally in very few free agent classes. Uh, is that the case? You might consider maybe Jamichael Green as well. And you could have Luca guard the four and Green guard some of the uh, bigger threes if you need to do that at times. I do think, you know, so they've got basically Powell and Porzingis under contract as far as big. Porzingis, I mean, you know, I think 60 games for him, they would be happy with. You know, you you have to have some big depth there. Presumably, Klebo will be back. But you're right. I think they do need, maybe that could be a room exception target to get uh, one more center, especially a center who can do a little bit of banging as well. I think the, the need for that could be overrated, but uh, especially with Porzingis coming back from the injury, you don't necessarily want to subject him to that type of pounding every night. Same thing with Kleba. He's, you know, a little bit more of a speed four or five. So let's talk about those restricted free agents now. Porzingis reported by Shams that they're expected to move towards that five-year, $158 million contract. My question is whether there are going to be any kind of Joel Embiid-esque non-guarantees on the end. But it does seem to me like Porzingis is a player who, you know, especially with, you know, a team like the Pels potentially having space, I would be worried about a possible three plus one with the Porzingis. And so ultimately, I think he's going to have the leverage to just get what he wants and maybe they'll just hope they don't get stuck with the player option and that's kind of the conclusion you came to in the mock-off season team yeah pretty much and Porzingis with his even though it was a long time ago his production is the type of player that you could see some of those teams especially I mean you didn't bring up like you you brought up the Pels I think of Sacramento in this in this camp where it's just oh like, god yeah well what else are they gonna do with it so just throw throw him a three plus one and Porzingis hey, hey Knicks uh Knicks have space yeah they do <laughs> and and so so from yeah. thinking about it from Dallas's perspective and, and remember that there were rumors for a while that Porzingis was considering taking the qualifying offer that if he would prefer the three plus one, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to make an aggressive offer here to, to keep him off of that. Should you prefer him on a longer term contract? Yeah. And also there's the fact that they're reliant on his cap hold being only 17 million as opposed to the starting salary of 27 million, where if free agency does drag out, which I think is possibly it's sounding like Tobias Harris is going to have some meetings. Kawhi is going to have some meetings. Maybe KD is going to go more of the LeBron route from last year Kyrie might do some meetings so maybe things could drag out a little bit to where you have not everything is settled by July 6th then you really are opening yourself up to that offer sheet with a pretty limited consequences from another team if everything is kind of dragged along so uh, all the more reason to come to an agreement there and also just to avoid any uh, bad feelings with them it seems like uh, they have improved the relationship uh, with him and so I, I would expect it to be you know maybe they'll have some kind of a non guarantee like Joel Embiid style on the end but I think with him actually on the market now that they, they even may not want to just mess around with that so um what about Kleba how do you see his market developing y- your initial offer to him in the mock-off season was what like six million a year or something for three years yeah I think it was 324 so that would be eight but it was yeah it was in that range yeah I, I think I got you up to that and then the Pels yeah. were like ah no actually uh you, 
you yeah. might want to not take that. And but- yeah, it's so with Kleba, it is at least to an extent now a an extrapolation exercise. You know, like a lot of us feel that he could be a starter and, and a potentially very intriguing one if given the opportunity, but it is a little bit hypothetical. And Kleba, unlike a lot of players who were having that discussion about, is 27. So this is not a circumstance where you can roll the dice on a 23-year-old and if it works out, awesome. And if it doesn't, you, you can kind of deal with it. Kleba is older than that. And I, I think that there, you know, the, the beauty of having 30 different general managers is I hope that there's at least one that sees him the way that, that a lot of us do because can block some shots, can hit, can, can hit some jumpers himself. And that skill set, especially with somebody who's more mobile, can, can work really well. I, I do like his fit on the Pelicans. So I understand, I understand that part of it. And I also really like Kleba. I've talked about him. I mean, it looks like Brooklyn might be going in a different direction here for damn good reason, but I really like Kleba in a three big set where he can play with either of the, the starters if you don't see him as a starter. And if you go with that approach, then there's still a lot of minutes to be had. I mean, he could be playing like 25, 28 minutes a game, depending on how you structure your rotation. And that's a really useful player, especially if you if there's the possibility that he can be a starter with good play, you know, if he, could, if he can work himself to that level. So yeah, he'd be somebody that I would seriously consider paying. Yeah, and, and you could say a lot of times in these kind of situations when a team is trying to use cap space, they'll be fairly, and the guy has a low cap hold like this, they'll be fairly aggressive in coming to an agreement with them early Joe on. Joe Harris. Think, what'd you say? Joe Harris. Yeah, yeah, that's a good other, yeah, although Harris wasn't even a restricted free agent last yeah, year. That was, yeah, I mean, that was, you're right, that was a stronger risk, but it's the same idea. Yeah, uh, you know, if you go back to Chris Middleton from years ago, uh, but yeah, and not that Kleba is on that level, but it does seem to me like, you know, something in the eight to six to eight million a year range, I think probably does get it done in real life. Uh, you know, I think the league uh, doesn't necessarily see Kleba as a starter, uh, unclear, you know, if he's maybe he's a 25 minute a game guy off the bench, he does have a lot of versatility. It does seem like there's a lot of teams that'd be interested. I mean, someone who can shoot the ball at 35% from three, move his feet, switch defensively, block shots, he had a top 10 block rate in the, in the league as well, you know, get to the basket and finish, get out and transition. I mean, he's a very, very versatile player. Uh, so, but I think a lot of that's been lost uh, on this Dallas team. So yeah, I, I'm going to be really interested to see. I mean, I don't see anybody throwing starter money at him. You know, I mean, the, the most I could see is, you know, something maybe like 10 million a year, you know, kind of real, like very high quality third big money. Uh, but like you know, Dwight I, I mean, I Powell certainly... money. Yeah. Uh, and then Finney Smith is another one where his importance to Dallas is probably more than anyone else would be interested in him around the league. Now we know that threes who can defend their position and shoot are pretty rare, but the shooting aspect for Finney Smith is in question. He's 26 already coming out that three-year contract uh, that he signed. I think it was undrafted as I recall and, and made the team as an undrafted free agent. So, and he definitely plays hard. I thought his defense took a step forward. I don't know if he has quite the size that you would want to guard the absolute biggest guys in the wing, but given the reported free agent targets for Dallas, you know, he's an essential part of what they're doing here. So, you know, I think I did well to get three years, 21 million. Again, that's another one where, you know, you might expect it to be more in the 5 million a year range, but you know, if he's starting at the three, you'd think, okay, it would be more, but do other teams really see him that way? I think it's more kind of Dallas doesn't really have a, another option at the three unless they go the route of just filling in uh with more role players instead of going for the big fish if i'm finney smith i'm really rooting for them to get kemba walker or al horford i'll put it that way yeah absolutely all right i think that's about all i got in these guys anything else uh, come to mind no i think that's about it 
Well, now let's talk about their partners in the Porzingis trade. The New York Knicks sitting at $69.8 million in cap space, uh, give or take. That includes uh, RJ Barrett, who's coming in at, at $7.8 million. Obviously, their first hope is that they get KD. Doesn't seem like Kyrie is going to be in this cards. They do think they're getting meetings with Kawhi. But the reporting has been that really outside of the absolute top tier max guys, they're going to try to kind of continue building and yeah maybe they'll use that cap space but and uh, on young guys they feel could be part of their core potentially or go the big one-year deal route get back out there in 2020 as well some of their plan could also even depend on what do you know does Kawhi go with a one plus one uh I don't see KD going for a one plus one because why would anyone give him that when he's unlikely to play next year so obviously you know if if they get Kawhi or someone then they're going to try to fill out with role players the best they can or get a second star there's very little reporting that indicates that i mean one might be they get kd and if they do get kd then to me unless you can just get like good role players under contract on what you would consider to be good contracts then you really go the one year route you tank you try to develop the young guys and then you try to bring in another star next to kd hey Draymond green will be a, a free agent in 2020 uh just kidding so i mean that that's doesn't really seem that interesting to me to talk about my question to you is what the hell are they going to do if they don't get kd or any of the other major stars you know it doesn't seem like a tobias harris offer is in the cards uh, what, what do these guys need at this point uh, as part of this long-term core that they're supposedly trying to build patiently as somebody who just dealt with this for the better part of this week ugh, it's it's a real challenge because you have to start with the young guys they have and what role do you want to put them in and so dennis smith playing serious minutes a point guard i presume that they would want him to start in this hypothetical mitchell robinson presumably starting at center at least playing significant minutes knox and barrett on the perimeter whether you want to see those guys as i see knox as a four and then barrett as a two three so what i would be looking for then is especially and even if you're prioritizing a one-year contract is a stable vet who can defend and help you know get the get those guys in the right place on that end of the floor but ideally it'd be somebody who can shoot and congratulations if trying to get one of those guys on a one-year contract to go to a team that probably isn't going to be very good now maybe they can just throw they can offer them gobs of money money. yeah but you know like that there is an opportunity not much of one with the knicks because of how much money they have but there is you know there is a downside there because can't use that to extract assets or anything else you know that's it's basically just like a mentor a very expensive mentorship program is really the idea there and a good thing though for the knicks is that a player like that isn't going to make the knicks so good that it really weakens their draft you know they're they're in the place especially if they give the reins to dennis smith where you could add depth you can add talent just to kind of make the team feasible and help get a better evaluation of all those young guys but you're not pushing for the playoffs or anything like that and yeah there's some just something disheartening about that about a franchise that has been run down for as long as the knicks have been or at least the large part of this recent run and at the same point though speaking pragmatically building the long-term asset base you know whether this is they get guys in 2020 really good players or whatever they need to build the low-cost talent base of this team and that's what the Porzingis trade was about that's what you know some of their other approach you know trying to have the opportunity to get Zion they ended up with RJ but that's kind of the to me that's kind of the idea stable vets that don't move the needle that much but help the young players develop well you ran into this uh, in the mock-off season that if you are 
continuing to try to build you know they have really four rotation guys five, five rotation guys in this program already with dennis smith at the one knox barrett alonzo trier uh, and then of course uh, mitchell robinson now how good any of those guys are going to be who knows but those are guys that they're going to want to play especially if you're still in a building mode and so you kind of you spent a reasonable amount for some one-year deals and you know i mean you, you spent the amount that you need to spend to get those guys i assume in reality that might be more especially if those guys have multi-year deals and you can only offer one but you kind of you know still had 25 million in space left to spend because you realize like oh wait a minute like i'm not going to sign some vet just to sign them over the top of these young guys so uh, well, now, let me suppose, let me yeah. pile on there for a second yeah another huge problem that the knicks are going to deal with this year is just how few young free agents there are because that was the other option i was considering this whole time was oh man if you could just get you know get some of the like even if they're not great but try to find some value on the market of players that are going to be better two and three years from now than they are at this moment and so even if maybe they're not a great fit for where the Knicks go, maybe you sign a superstar on top of them, they could be traded for positive value. And the nature of free agency in the NBA is that the players 25 and younger who are unrestricted free agents are almost always there for a reason. That could be that they washed out at a location like Alfred Payton did, or, you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the Nets are going a different direction, Hollis Jefferson, not a particularly strong, strong fit. And then maybe they could do, and this is something I considered, is trying to get some value on the like, undervalued restricted market. So like maybe somebody like Jordan Bell, maybe. But the problem is, generally speaking with restricted guys, you have to overpay them to pry them away from their prior team. Yeah, maybe that wouldn't be the case with the Warriors and their tax concerns. But yeah, I, I mean, I think just in terms of what they could use, you know, I don't know if you view Smith as a solution at point guard, but no reason not to at least like, and he shot it extremely poorly as a Nick. I mean, his big problem was not being able to hit anything from outside, but which hopefully will abate a, a little bit. But his star certainly seems to, to have fallen but you know there's no reason not to just give him the keys again next year unless you can get another point guard with higher upside in the pipeline they have been linked to Terry Rozier although that was discussed in the context of his cap hold being given up by Boston which is what would happen if Kemba Walker were to go there well I have one to throw to throw at you something I considered in, in the mock-up season what about D'Angelo Russell yeah, you would have thought that he would would have been linked there at this point in time. I mean, the, all of the discussion, I think they just don't like him in, in that front office, which I don't blame them to, actually, with the amount of money that it's going to take to sign him. Well, and, and think yeah. about that they want to go after big fish in future summers. Maybe yeah. Russell's presence on that big contract, especially if it ends up not being a positive value, then it becomes a really big problem for them. Yeah, so, you know, players who want to win, Yeah, I thought the, the idea of signing KCP, which you did in the mock, off season was an interesting one he's certainly no stranger to big one-year deals uh in places that are, are looking for uh to use free agents and yeah i mean i mean even bringing in you know young restricted free agents now and they're obviously believers in knox as well they're believers in trier robinson clearly they need something else though at center they desperately need some shooting i mean you're, you're gonna want that just to build around this group and they don't really have anyone who can play any defense on the wing either right now that's gonna be a major problem you know you know, they had the second worst defense uh, in the NBA. So, I, I mean, I do think they're going to want to just not be a 17 and 65 tire fire next year, to be sure, especially because they want to be able to sell people on the idea that they're 
taking steps forward so you know kcp could be an interesting one you could see some other vets who are trying to rehab maybe an avery bradley uh, trying to go there you know they don't really necessarily need more shot creation or scoring although you know i, I wouldn't put it past them to go after those things anyway uh, it could be an interesting seth curry destination yeah uh, just to to get some shooting around these guys and at least make them look good offensively even if you're not going to stop anybody do we want to compile a list of all the guys that we're scared they're going to go after instead of doing this more <laughs> judicious approach that we're that we're advocating well everything that we've seen in the media indicates that you know they had a big piece uh with quotes from mills uh, and scott perry and fizdale with uh mark spears and the undefeated a couple days ago they'll probably try to get just some sort of solid bets in there you know this could be a, a jared dudley destination potentially uh could be interesting ronde hollis jefferson destination as well just to, to get some defense and athleticism out there but it, it does it's really difficult to anticipate who they could go after because if they are really only offering the one-year deals you're really it depends whether guys are going to prioritize winning getting back in the market in 2020 which might not be the worst idea in the world uh what the market's going to be at kind of that mid-level wing area where other teams might be offering more years but the knicks could offer more dollars uh what what about its center anyone that you see as like a, a pretty good fit there i don't know if they want to just hand that starting job to mitchell robinson necessarily i agree they have been linked to demarcus yeah my thought was kind of like what happens with dennis smith you want to bring in somebody who's capable but is not you know like definitive like oh they're they're definitely better than the guy in question though maybe that's different for for dennis and for for mitchell robinson considering their different pedigrees and everything like that yeah cousins is is compelling because he might be looking for a short-term deal he might be the best center that's willing to take a short-term contract deadman would be very interesting for them i would like you know because especially because he's added the three-point shot while as a member of the hawks and so as these young guys kind of figure stuff out i would like him as a fit there willie Cauley stein uh could be an interesting one sure yeah uh, but he would to they could even go the one year second year non-guaranteed to fulfill an offer sheet requirement if in fact Sacramento or, he, gives or them the because the knicks offer. just have more space than they know what to do with he yeah Cauley stein could end up being one of those people who gets his qualifying offer revoked at some point and then then yeah. you could just sign him to the deal you want yeah that, that's true too um jermichael green maybe depending yeah. on i think that could work reasonably well yeah he was someone i thought got really underpaid in the mock off season he got like the room exception for one year which seemed comically for him but uh yeah and there i mean if they wanted to go with multi-year contracts maybe we're just making the wrong assumption uh, and they might be willing to do that but i i doesn't seem that way to me but you know maybe if we get to the to the point where kd and Kawhi and all these guys are on multi-year deals and there's just nobody in free agency available next year then uh you mentioned the idea of them being a super fun site uh for toxic contracts but i'm not sure who still is willing to give up a first round pick to get off of money well especially because they yeah. especially because they can't get courtney lee back yeah now they might just decide hey you know what there's no no point in just letting the space go to waste we'll take on your bismack biombo or your timofey mozgov or something and just do it for two seconds you know maybe that becomes the going rate because there's just no one else looking to use that space and they figure but i, I mean i expect them to spend up to the cap this year it's just it's very difficult for me to figure it's out so who's much money crimes. like that that's the real challenge somebody I, I didn't go after as aggressively in the mock-off season as maybe i should have is tobias harris would be kind of interesting with this team just even if it's to make a division rival pay more money yeah maybe we should have talked about him with dallas too yeah uh, he's a possibility a I, the problem the reason i didn't bring him up with dallas is the defensive problem i mean if you're yeah he 
he and Luca is not uh and a then you have three, four, and then basically you're playing Porzingis at the five probably and so that's yeah. you don't have a lot there that was why I thought of him and didn't bring him up but I think he's interesting for the Knicks because what Tobias Harris and this is part of the idea theoretically with him maybe on on the Clippers or a few other teams is he fits in well with a lot of other really good players and he's not at the level where it's a, a real styles clash so maybe you get Tobias Harris on the logic that if KD comes I don't think KD is going to be too bothered by Tobias Harris there and he's pretty reasonably valued I would say you know near max contract so if for whatever reason that other that future addition says I don't want to you know I want somebody else there they could get off of Harris without too much trouble so I he's a he's a rare exception like that to me there's a big difference between Tobias Harris and D'Angelo Russell in that respect they've also been linked to Julius Randle and that's I mean that's just more shot creators more scores but yeah I'm, wor- you know, I'm another young guy to get in your program 24 I mean the guy averaged 21 and 9 last year I'm worried about the it- Knicks signing Bobby Portis that's the one that that's the one that I've been thinking about yeah I, I mean I think Randall as as an unrestricted guy I could very easily and you signed him in the mock off season didn't you for the next one year 12 million yep I could see it being like one year 20 million for someone like Randall to just you know try to get some more scoring out there I mean at some point uh you have too many young shot creators who can't play defense but uh they might feel like hey you know he's a talented guy let's get him in our program and, and see what happens or they could try to get some guys too who could potentially be trade bait that would be another idea to move them at the deadline you know kind of the what the suns did with trevor arisa although that wasn't at the deadline but they picked up kelly Oubre, who was something that that could be another thought too and then you know maybe if you everyone takes a step forward and you're more competitive you hold on to those guys or you move them at the deadline yeah i could see but that. yeah uh i mean all right so you, you have to predict one player in free agency who's going to end up on the knicks who would it be and, and by the oh quickly on the harris thing too i, I forgot to mention it. i mean the knicks have they showed up in any other point like shams did as usual expected to receive interest from blah 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 blah. you know and it was a rather expansive list of teams including teams like minnesota that don't have any cap space uh and i don't recall the knicks being on that yeah in fact they yeah were not on that list so it seems like to me harris is low enough in the hierarchy that they feel like no it's not worth giving him a max contract which i I think it's a great sign i don't think signing tobias harris makes sense for the knicks at this point in time you know assuming that these young guys are actually any good now that's that's going to be the question uh they're certainly i I think rj is going to fall right into this mix too as a controversial young player in the league as far as whether people you know whether he's good or not or whether he's just putting up stats so sorry i I interrupted who would be your one pick of one player is most likely to end up on the next i really want to say camaro anthony just for fun but i think randall is just a really logical fit of a player who doesn't have much of a, a, a an intuitive constituency and i could see the knicks liking and especially if he can play kind of both big man positions i don't have a clear-cut guy other than that though so i'll, I'll go with julius randall yeah and outside of kd um yeah randall would be my pick also i think yeah al frucamino is another guy they could bring in you did that in the mockout season as well thaddeus young could be an interesting fit for a, a big balloon payment there i almost brought up thaddeus young in the math section as well but i think his shooting limitation could be too much of a problem and he's a little older than they'd like for a non-star are you done on these guys i don't know why i can't shake the feeling that one of the, one or both of the morris twins will be there too that's another possibility oh yeah they've been reported to have interest mm-hmm. there i think mark Keefe is more likely than marcus just because marcus has more interest and so that would leave Keefe as a more logical one yeah i think mark Keefe could be trying to go the rebuild value route as well i mean he was considered a solid starter until really a lost year last year with those uh those neck issues i think marcus will have multi-year offers which the knicks may not want to go with all right that's all i got on these guys 
All right, let's turn to the LA Clippers now. Somewhat similar situation as the aforementioned Knicks, uh, although as they start things out a little bit less uh, raw cap space uh, for them. Uh, what is their situation right now, Danny? If we keep cap holds on the books for Zubach and Magruder, both of whom are restricted free agents that I would expect the Clippers to at least attempt to retain, and then non-guarantees for Cinderius Thornwell and Ty Wallace, that puts them at I have them at 53.8 million so 53.8 is enough for one max guy but not enough for two but what makes the Clippers different from a lot of other teams is that they they have a lot of movable salary should the need present itself because I would say most if not all of their significant money is on positive value contracts or at least close to it Gallo at 22.6 I'd say that's probably slight negative, but not too much. Well, for one year, I disagree. Uh, well, it's just it's just how much does he play? If he plays as much as he did last year, that's uh, that's clearly positive. I mean, I had him in the All NBA conversation before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think for for one year, twenty million, I think they could easily uh, dump that into space uh, for a, a team that's trying to win now, should they so desire. Uh, they've also got Lou Williams at eight million this year, non guarantee next year for eight million, only one point five million of that is, is guarantee as of now uh Montrose Harrell six million uh he's a free agent after this year and then they got the rookie contracts of Shea Gilgis Alexander Jerome Robinson Landry Shamet, and then the other one that you mentioned already so let's say they're just bringing Kawhi in right that's obviously the dream for them they're supposed to meet with him the Tuesday after free agency starts an indication perhaps that it'll be a more drawn out process for Kawhi and we can talk about some of the timing issues that that will present momentarily but let's go with the scenario number one they get Kawhi sign him to a max contract 32.7 million that leaves them about 20 million dollars to work with and let's say they don't have another star coming so then the question becomes are you going to go on a four-year 20 million dollar deal for somebody else or with Gallo coming off the books next year do you just spend all that money on one player for a one-year 20 million dollar deal guaranteed and that or you could also potentially bring back some of your own free agents uh Patrick Beverly Jamichael Green Garrett Temple all those guys uh, could help and they wouldn't be able to keep all of those cap holds on the books in that scenario but they could keep at least Beverly's or you could basically keep one of them on the books it it looks like in that scenario so a lot of interesting ways to go uh and then if they do do it that way they could still have Kawhi and you know mid 50s or so in room if they don't take on any multi-year contracts it also becomes a guessing game just in terms of who would even be that player in 2020 it's it's a pretty weak class and in terms of support talent for hey, Kawhi maybe, Leonard, maybe things go really shitty for Anthony Davis with the Lakers maybe yeah I mean maybe the Dwight Howard bet basically and I mean, if you've already got Kawhi and that's uh you know that's a pretty powerful argument I imagine that they'll be pretty darn good in the West if not the favorites if they get Kawhi and just bring back some of their guys it's a reasonable argument to be made and also it would the Clippers it would be a huge adjustment that they would be a better playoff team I would say than regular season team that's really what Kawhi brings to one of the huge things he brings to the table yeah and I don't know I'm the defense I'm, would be an issue like what what they do at center and and some of yeah those I'm teams. really worried if they get Kawhi about their defense and that might be an argument to try to trade Gallo and to just open up some more space to either bring back guys like Temple and Beverly get a center in there who can defend better than Harrell I might even consider trying to trade Harrell if you get Kawhi because 
I just don't think he can be good enough defensively to anchor a championship level of defense at center. I have major concerns about that. He can't switch, doesn't really protect the rim, terrible defensive rebounder, great offensive player. Uh, but, you know, he kind of likes to ISO, run, pick, and roll. That's not really what their style is going to be with Kawhi anyway at least have the center isoing and posting up and just as a a value proposition Harrell can still help out the team on the second unit but are you really willing to not only pay that guy but but keep them around and not give up because I I think somebody would be interested in Harrell the opportunity cost of not moving him when you could get something for him as opposed to what what could happen in 2020 I, I think that does make some sense and broadly speaking I think that teams should be a little bit more active in re assessing their roster when a star player comes and and that kind of a herald decision would be more proactive but i think it would be the right it, it would be the right way to think about things even if it led to maybe a different determination yeah and that might get Harold somewhere with full bird right somewhere where he could get paid more after next year than than that six million because i don't know if it would make sense for the clippers to give him a big contract after next year I, so, so let's say they got just 20 million in space here they got Kawhi. who stands out to you as someone uh that they could try to bring in he'd cost a little bit more than that but Horford is a fascinating fit I mean a talented offensive player who can help give them a defensive identity and he's I I, I mean maybe he would take a little less to go to a team as obviously yeah. good as those Clippers would and, be. and if you get Horford then maybe you, it makes even more sense to Farrell sure and that could open up the the possibly requisite space to make that happen yeah yeah would someone give up a first round pick for Harrell mm-hmm. uh, probably not I would say but maybe a uh, second and an intriguing young player yeah. that's possible you know like a lottery ticket type of guy and i mean thaddeus young would be i mean see the gallo part of this is hard because if you want a defensive identity and they're keeping Kawhi and gallo it basically has to be a center and with the money that they have i mean deadman would be interesting i like him a lot of places that would certainly be one yeah. of them well, well let's run down what they would have on the roster and, and this for whether they bring in Kawhi or sure. not uh starting one shea gilgis alexander that's taken care of is he ready to be a 35 minute a game starting point guard is a little bit limited from three in terms of the volume shot it better though in that Warriors series he looked pretty good then yeah well, we'll and see. also another I, guy who's yeah. another guy whose role and evaluation could change with Kawhi on the team I mean it, it yeah it shifts your timeline it shifts what you want in you know what you want in a point guard comfort comfortability shooting off ball becomes way more important with Kawhi Leonard in the fold because he's gonna have the ball in his hands all the time so yeah it's possible it's possible that shifts things as well yeah and those guys kind of both operate from a lot of the same spots mm-hmm. too trying to work into the mid-range create space um and, and i'm not as high on gilgis alexander as everyone else's i think he's gonna be a good player but you know i don't see like future superstar best point guard in the 2018 draft type of player the way a lot of people do so he's another guy who you know between him and harrell maybe their stars uh, you know, are never gonna be higher in terms of their trade value and you know if say bradley beal were to come available uh or you know ad is not available maybe whoever the next disgruntled star is i don't know that i see that guy on the horizon necessarily but uh these guys are also being talked about as the potential destination for clay thompson if the warriors fuck with his money at all i don't expect them to do that uh reporting is if the warriors come with the five-year 190 million max offer he'll just go back there signing clay is an interesting proposition the hope is he could be back by the playoffs next year and love his fit next to Kawhi. i mean love clay thompson's fit next to just about anybody um 
but you know to not have that space contributing or if he does miss all of next year a little bit more of a question for a team that's trying to win now it also might depend how long of a contract Kawhi ends up signing there too if he's signing for a longer term then you feel better about uh you know punting at least on the first half of next year well and it'd be interesting if let's say Kawhi takes a one plus one with the Raptors then signing Clay to a to a, a deal and basically just taking the 1920 season as a, as a holding pattern would be fascinating so if they get Kawhi now he was dealing with this knee soreness in the playoffs but it seems to me that the biggest thing that's changed about him since his San Antonio days is he's not that crazy defensive stopper on the perimeter anymore you know he's I think he can be really good against you know the the larger combo forward types like Giannis he he did a great job uh, on him you know he's impossible to post up he's got the great hands still but I don't know if he has the speed or the stamina to like chase guys around screens and pick a roll defense and that kind of thing so I do think if he comes in they would need someone to be the main guy in the wing and maybe Kawhi could guard the, some of those guys at the end of games but uh you know him and Gallo as a starting front court you know that's a little difficult too you know with the Toronto he had Siakam he had Danny Green next to him you're gonna be asking a lot of him to also be the primary stopper on the wing every game so you're gonna have some needs there too right and if you want a player who can fill that niche defensively and also not be a huge negative off offensively it's a very narrow pool of guys and that's going to be a real challenge for the Clippers to navigate maybe they could even have Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green as the rare teammates on three different teams that would be a possibility you could go not that he's perfect in those situations either but But, just another intelligent defender who's a good help guy well the hilarity of it is is that basically what you need around Kawhi is all the types of guys that Toronto has as opposed to like these kind of more offense only guys like Lou Williams is another guy I don't know how great he fits with no he he doesn't fit particularly well now there are minutes that Kawhi doesn't play and all that kind of stuff but it's yeah agreed like they they would have to they would have to retool retool their entire roster and that's the other kind of fascinating and huge part of this I I brought up the idea of Kawhi taking a one-and-one in Toronto is how does Lawrence Frank and their front office reconcile things if they don't get the guy they want but he's still in play for the future yeah I I really think it'll play out similarly to what happened in the mock-off season where you know they've been talked about that maybe they could bring back Tobias Harris it still just doesn't seem like the Clippers style to spend a max contract on Tobias Harris Tobias Harris to me either you're in a situation like Philly where you've got a bunch of players that are better than him and he's kind of an overqualified fourth option and you know they're paying him just to keep him but it really makes sense to me you know he's pretty limited defensively um you know not the greatest fit to me next to Kawhi on defense again for those reasons that we just talked about uh if you know they were to bring in Kawhi uh, or try to bring in a second guy with Kawhi or be looking to bring him in in the future and it's, it's not gonna be a good contract he's not that good he's not worth that but he's especially not worth it for a team with real championship aspirations if you're trying to be you know first round playoff fodder and you got Tobias Harris as your second best player your first best player then well, and that's, you know, that makes that's sense. the hilarity of Tobias Harris going back to the Clippers is he was a really good fit for last year's Clippers because yeah. they they needed a floor raiser somebody who could help stay them offensively and help give them an identity you know he and Lou Williams and Gallo all had really nice seasons for them but if they if they want or get somebody like Kawhi or Kevin Durant then you're in a you're in a whole new game now and then a lot of those players including Harris just don't make as much sense 
Yeah. And obviously, if they get Kawhi, Danny Green, you, you mentioned him, I and mean, there will be, you know, I think they're probably fine with Gilgis Alexander and Shamit starting at the one of the two. Your other thing, too, is you don't have to build your entire team right now either. I think you can go in to the season with some of these good contracts and they still have assets they've got that 2021 miami pick they got all their own picks going forward uh so i think they're in decent shape but uh to you know you don't have to get the type team that's going to win a championship or on Kawhi this year at this very moment uh but you know i do think they really more defense at center and one more wing player who can defend to me are, are, are their biggest needs whether Kawhi comes or not well so so i have a question for you there there's been some reporting joan buha had a nice piece at the athletic about this the clippers approach of kind of stars or nothing and what i mean by nothing is not just like leave the cap space barren but the idea of really not going beyond 1920 it's it's an ambitious approach there are certainly downsides to that in a year where there's so many free agents that some guys will get lost in the shuffle it might not be that cut and dry but do do you agree with that approach for a team that justifiably has lofty aspirations i think i do just because i mean, most of the contracts you're going to sign are going to be bad contracts here and they have a young cheap roster they'll be competitive again this year even with just the players on the team and you know with say full bird rights on beverly for 9.6 million I mean, you could throw him keep his capital on the books and throw him one year 20 million he might well take that to stay there uh he's gonna have other offers but you know, you've got the ability to go hard on that one year with full bird rights uh on him uh you got uh rights on jamichael green or garrett temple you know, so you could even just try to bring back this whole team now it gets to the question of the timing though and uh and same thing if they miss out on Kawhi and then they try to get some other guys on one of your deals if Kawhi Leonard doesn't decide until July 4th is Patrick Beverly now the Clippers will be hoping that it works the way it did in 2014 where everyone waits until LeBron James signs and then all everything happens uh and you know I think like KD waiting Kyrie waiting like that would play even if the Clippers aren't in the mix for those guys that would play to the Clippers advantage because then that's just more cap space held up uh, around the league as well more free agents who aren't going to be signing but you know as Patrick Beverly if he's got 10 million dollars a year for three years from Chicago is he going to wait around can he get the Bulls to wait around for him are they going to want to do that so there and, and that's just one example um and then you know player whether they're on the team or not on the team as of uh last year that's a tough question now I mean they have a lot of space I think some agents will be waiting around and the, hopefully they can have a strategy here and convince guys to to wait around but yeah i mean it's tough because if you sign Kawhi, now you're probably willing to go for longer years with some of these guys if you don't then you're probably looking to sign totally different contract types um maybe the one thing they could do danny is if they have that 20 million spot if they sign Kawhi, they could find someone who would agree to one year 20 million this year regardless and, and that contract type works for you whether you sign Kawhi or not because then you would have cap space next to Kawhi next summer with that or you have the cap space to get Kawhi if he does the one plus one in toronto it's possible and maybe the negotiation leads them in that direction but yeah it's it's a very it's a very complicated summer for the clippers that as you said and it's what's so challenging for them is that it's largely outside of their control you know when Kyrie and kd and clay and Kawhi to make their decisions is is hugely important and it could be and also just who patrick beverly is is such a compelling player and this happened in the mock off season because a lot of teams i can imagine like him but is anybody going to prioritize him like for example i mean i was i was dallas in the mock off season and i had the idea of patrick beverly basically if i struck out on kemba walker early on but i couldn't move on him first because 
because I had so many other things to handle. And so maybe that's how this ends up going to the Clippers is that just the, not only, you know, based if everybody holds for, for a period of time, but just having guys that teams like, but they don't love them enough to make them the first priority. And like, it could be that same story for a few of their guys. Yeah. I mean, now there are teams out there that aren't going to be in the mix for the best free agents that have cap sites, the Bulls, the Hawks, the Kings uh, are three that come to mind there. So I, I think there will be deals. It's just a question of whether that's who the Clippers are interested in or not. So any other scenarios we need to cover here? Um, uh, the only other thing I want to talk about is the other years discussions that will come up are their restricted free agents, Zubac yeah, and that's and who Magruder. we got to get to, right? And to make a to to make an offer sheet to those players, you have to go multiple seasons. Now you can; those other teams can do it where the future years are not guaranteed. But if they're trying to get a Clippers player, depending on how the soft season goes, the right way to do that is to have something significant in 2021 and beyond if you can pull it off. And I think the Clippers benefit for both of those guys. Like Zubac is is intriguing and and he could end up being a successful player, but he plays the position of greatest supply in the entire league, which is really tamping down demand. And then Magruder just is coming off of such a strange year. Like he, 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 you know, dealing with injuries and like he's at, at moments played an integral role in Miami, you know, started a bunch of games, but maybe he's just far enough down on people's list that they end up doing okay. But they're, they are very beholden to the extent that it affects future money. Now in 1920, those guys aren't really a factor because they have full bird rights and Steve Ballmer's willing to pay. So that part of it isn't a problem. But if it gets into future years, then yeah, that's something they're going to have to discuss. Yeah, Magruder is definitely an eye of the beholder type of guy. I mean, he is a solid defender and a 35% three-point shooter, age 27. So you're getting some prime years from him. And yeah, he does have that small capital. So, you know, retaining them for this year, probably not a problem. You've got full bird rights on both guys. You could, I'm sure, send them, give them a one-year deal that would be palatable to them. But then their cap hold goes up and it's more difficult to retain them next year if your plan is to use cap space. Again, if they get Kawhi and they fill out the roster with other long-term contracts, it becomes very easy. You just give them a good offer and for a long time. But yeah, I mean, that's a difficult conception there. If it's, you know, the more expensive it gets the less likely they would want to go uh, more than a year. I don't see either of those guys as necessarily getting offer sheets. I think Magruder probably should get an offer sheet. Zubac, you know, there's just enough centers out there that uh, I just don't see that happening. And if he did, it's, you know, pretty low level of money. Uh, yeah, Th- Thornwell and Wallace, those guys could be cap casualties. I still think that Thornwell, and they were so deep last year, I think he's a good defender on the wing. And if he can shoot it at all, uh, could end up becoming a, a valuable player. He's non-guaranteed for one6 well, even Ty Wallace, I think, is someone who can play. You know, he was just mired in nowheresville again with this team being, you know, as their 15th man with the team being so incredibly deep. But you know, I think those are guys who even have some modicum of value out there. Um, so I'd want to try to bring those guys back, you know, especially Thornwell. Maybe the hope is that he could grow into some of that defense that they need on the wing, ultimately. Yeah, that'll, that'll be great for them. All right. Anything else on these guys come to mind? No, I think we can move on. All right. The last of these sexy cap space teams, the Brooklyn Nets, now sitting on. On nearly 67 million dollars in cap space they got spencer dinwiddie as their most expensive player at 10.6 million joe harris makes 7.7 million and then everyone else makes 3.4 million or less on this roster but they got a lot of guys who, who actually can play the dream uh, uh oh no i'm sorry actually their third most expensive player is uh darren williams yes who was who was stretched in uh in 2015 this is the last year of that 5.5 million dollar yeah yeah 
pour, pour some out for Darren Williams and Josh Smith likely spending their last season on our salary cap sheets after a long illustrious tenure someday we should go back and do a pod on like everyone who's gotten stretched under the current rule and whether it ended up being a good decision or not the Monte Ellis part of that conversation would be very interesting with the Pacers that super weird stretch it was odd so they are a little bit short of where they need to be with this 109 million dollar cap to bring in the grand plan Kevin Durant at his maximum 38.2 million Kyrie Irving his maximum 32.7 million to bring those guys in together uh we just had this in the mock-off season they had to move Kuroks and Zanin Musa but you know Kurikson presumably has some value um they could also move on from Napier and Graham if they do that those guys are both non-guaranteed that gets them up to 68.7 million I'm leaving them on the books for now because uh, you know those I think are relatively valuable players for the price uh they also have Theo Pinson as a restricted free agent who uh I would be very surprised if they made a qualifying offer for we haven't found out whether they did or not yet in any event that's the goal KD and Kyrie and then you're basically down to the room exceptions at minimum so let's game out that scenario mock off season DeAndre Jordan was brought in to be a you know a little heavier starting center you know give them someone to go up in theory against a, a Joel Embiid though Jordan has always actually been kind of a crappy post defender surprisingly given uh, his physical gifts crappy fo- post defender but a reportedly very good friend of Kevin Durant so there's value yeah. in that I mean I was actually talking to this uh, talking about this with an executive today uh about what centers might be out there for the room exception and I think actually getting DeAndre Jordan much as you and I don't really care for his game too much would actually be pretty good uh sure for that it's money not it's not that much money yeah I mean you're looking at Robin Lopez maybe Ennis Cantor in that range I think actually uh DeAndre is probably the best of that group maybe you could say Lopez is better but you know I think they want to have that offensive threat uh rim roller in particular at least he makes free throws now which is, is useful um so so I mean let's say they get KD he's going to be out for the whole year in theory so at the one and they're very very backcourt heavy at that point they've got Kyrie they've got Spencer Dinwiddie they've got Karis Levert who's also you know Karis is kind of a Kyrie light at the shooting guard position uh you know Levert is six seven but he's really he's too light in the shorts he's really only a, a shooting guard you know in theory I mean those that's probably your three best players uh right there and you know it doesn't make a ton of sense to have all three of them on the court at the same time maybe you're just going to outscore guys uh, but those guys are all best with the ball too so you get some diminishing returns there at least all three of them can shoot which helps and then who's your starting fork Kuroks or, or Torian Prince probably yeah yeah or, or maybe you're bringing Dinwiddie off the bench start Levert at the two and then you got Prince and Kuroks at the three and four yeah and, and Harris can work his way yeah Joe Harris is there. yeah maybe Joe Harris starts over Prince or uh he starts at the three and Prince is at the four you know you kind of see how it would work out yeah and I, I think kind of running two separate three-man rotations at those spots could work out reasonably well you know getting the getting the mix right could be a challenge but they could do that and then also with Brooklyn depending on exactly how much space and all that they could potentially also get a few capable players of low rotation minutes at the minimum just to fill in the gaps I'd love it if they could keep Napier and Graham because I think those guys are pretty good fits for where a KD Kyrie team would go I would actually really like those guys if they could stick around so I I think that Brooklyn they don't have the same problem that some of the other potential double max teams do of like you have those two guys and then what the hell else do you have like they, they Brooklyn doesn't have that problem as much which is which is 
intriguing, and I think it's important that they can do that. And they're, but they're, I do think that they would be well suited to think about whether they need to make some adjustments. You know, I, I like Karis Levert. I was thrilled that his injury was not as severe as we all feared when it happened. But I don't love him as much on a Kyrie KD team as other ones. And so maybe one of the plays is just to try to move him along. And there's a, a similar story with with Dinwiddie. I really like Spencer Dinwiddie. I think that the extension that Sean Marks got that Sean Marks and Dinwiddie negotiated is a strong one for both sides. Though incidentally, like a lot of the math would be easier here if he was at a minimum cap hold. But oh uh, yeah, that was yeah, too, that's true. But, but uh, that was too big a risk to take. Well, and and I mean, how much would the Pacers love to just bring Spencer Dinwiddie in as a starting point guard or the Suns? I mean, like yeah, exactly. He, he might get twenty million a year this offseason. Like that, I know he wanted to go for the security, and I understand that having made basically the minimum his whole career. But I, I think he's getting fifty percent of what he could have gotten on, on right. The open and, and so that's the other kind of, and maybe it's because Dinwiddie has been it's reportedly part of the recruitment pitch for Kyrie is theoretically like if they could get a value add for him that's another way that the, the Nets could clear space and if you think about the idea that the cap space becomes more valuable those players could go it it's it might not be what they want to do but I think it's at least worth considering well I think having Dinwiddie at that number he's got some size he could play next to Kyrie sure uh and, and Kyrie you know they're going to want to really keep his minutes down especially this season when they're not winning anything you know they want to make sure Kyrie is help, healthy for 2021 if right. they get yeah KD I'd be more um, thinking about Levert in terms of moving somebody yeah a, no, I, I, a lower I think that's usage right, especially, guy more defense that kind of idea well the other thing too is Levert is about to get paid as a restricted free agent next season and he just finished his third year yeah right? so he's, he's extension eligible so yeah. that that is a great time to move somebody if you're not sure they're part of your future because yeah. then the other team could extend them or use the season for evaluation purposes all those sorts of things now the good news for the Nets because he's only the 20th pick and he's a 2016 draft before the rookie scale started going up his cap hold is only 8 million next year so if the plan is to potentially roll over some cap space for next year you're not going the Kyrie KD route and then and the cap's going up a little bit too they might be able to have a little bit of cap space. they probably would want to just use the the full MLE next year um but it might make sense to just hold on to Levert but yeah I mean I think having both Dinwiddie and Levert on a team with KD and Kyrie is a little bit of a misallocation of resources and you got to just get some defense on the team i mean if this team next year before kd comes back like that's just an atrocious defensive team like they might i think they're gonna be a really good offense right now shooting uh Kyrie had two other guys who can get to the basket um somehow the nets were actually like around league average in defense this year with pretty crappy personnel they'll still have jared allen as a center maybe he could make some big strides you know they'd, but they'd be extremely reliant on him uh and deandre is no good on defense anymore uh, unless he really changes his stripes at this late point in his career so i'm uh these guys could be you know the 25th ranked defense in the nba next year um so you know i I don't even if they get Kyrie and kd is sitting out you know i don't see them being you know maybe they're around the same level as like the pacers or celtics depending on what those teams do in the offseason but i I want to give you a stat because i I was the first thing i think of when a team outperforms their defensive talent level brooklyn gave up the third worst opponent three-point shooting percentage last year that that could that could regress to the mean yeah it could And, and i mean they do 
do a pretty decent job with the math defensively and offensively for that matter as far as just not allowing three-point attempts uh, etc but you know they, they're not going to have Damari Carroll they're probably not going to have Jared Dudley anymore who actually is still a, a good team defensive player uh Ed Davis was okay you know he uh so a lot of their best defensive guys uh are going to be gone and you know I don't see Kyrie uh being fantastic defensively. Oh, a, qu- a quick note on that I've been fixated on this idea for a few years and it really hasn't b- borne fruit I thought it might with Brooke Lopez in, the, in LA it didn't the idea of a talented player taking less for a single season and then the team paying them with full bird rights seems like it could be a really interesting possibility for Brooklyn like if they can't agree to anything obviously it wouldn't be it wouldn't be allowed but let's say Jared Dudley and Damari Carroll are looking at a more tepid market than they hoped for taking a one-year minimum deal if, if let's say that's all that's on the table with Brooklyn with the ideas that oh we're gonna have full bird rights gonna be a really really good team with Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie under this hypothetical and they would be important parts of that team maybe you roll those roll those dice Sorry, what's the scenario again? Scenario is Dudley and or Carroll takes the minimum because they would have full bird rights after next season with the idea that in 2020, those guys could just get paid by the Nets. Yeah, that that takes a lot of trust there. I think in, in Carroll's case in particular, I think he's going to have some offers. I mean, there, there just are no threes on the market. You know, I mean, I think he's going to get enough that that wouldn't be realistic for him. Dudley might is a possibility, perhaps, but you never know what's going to happen as far as like health as a thirty three year old guy. You know, I think either of those guys, if they can get paid, they'll take the chance. But you know, who knows what Dudley's market will be? Maybe he will be around the minimum. In which case, that might make some sense. What about the scenario in which they? get Kyrie and don't get Katie Zach Lowe wrote this long piece about whether it makes more sense to get Kyrie and let D'Angelo Russell go now if they get Kyrie they could in theory hold on to D'Angelo Russell's cap hold play the restricted free agent game with him try to get him on a cheap contract then maybe move him uh, because obviously, you know, we talked about how Dinwiddie and Lavert might be a little redundant already with Kyrie. Uh, well, then throw D'Angelo Russell in there as well. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they might run into the one ball problem. Again, these guys can all shoot, so that helps. But, you know, I don't see Russell just staying there being pissed off. You know, maybe you would start at the two. You know, I mean, he played the two in college, but nonetheless, uh, now he's got to guard guys at, at the two. And it's something to consider because especially you could maybe use restricted free agency to get russell's contract low enough that they would then be more of a positive asset on the trade market but then his trade value is going to go down when he's not the primary guy i mean he really benefited i think statistically by that starting lineup that he played with where he was basically he was the only ball handler then it was like harris carroll and kurex next to him none of those guys could do anything off the drill so he just you know that's why he ran this incredible volume of pick and rolls last year so that's one option i mean what do you think of the idea of, of trying to hold on to him just to like not let the asset go for nothing it's hard for me considering the way the point guard market looks like it's shaping out and with some of the teams they could have space to see it really scare off let's say the phoenix suns you know the i i think one of those teams probably phoenix would just force brooklyn's hand because they would okay but phoenix only has 20 million in space like they're not gonna like stretch guys or wave guys to make a max offer to russell that could get matched yeah and then i mean and you ran now the thought would be they just don't match it i mean i think that that would probably be more yeah yeah the idea the idea they're calling brooklyn's bluff there yes not not quite you know like years ago the warriors and and then if you let him go as your brooklyn you just wasted that 20 million it's july 8th now and you missed out on a bunch of other opportunities right and the, the longer kyrie takes 
the better it is for Brooklyn in that scenario. Because they'll have a clear idea of what, what, what is on the table, what they're gaining, what they're losing. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so let's say they let Russell go. They got Kyrie. Tobias Harris has been mentioned. They can fit him in very easily. But that's your team now. Kyrie, Tobias Harris. You, know, you re-sign all these other dudes. Yeah, maybe you can move some guys around. Again, Levert might be a potential trade candidate there. Uh, they, once again, would be just bereft of defense at that point. I still don't see that team as being competitive in the east and perhaps some of it has to do with well now we're getting harris away from philly so they're weaker they don't necessarily have a great way to replace him or if they did they would have to let reddick go or if Kawhi leaves and you get harris away from philly now maybe the thought is okay we, we got as good a chance anyone as being second in the east and you know maybe milwaukee will have some defections as well a lot of that strategy depends on what happens elsewhere in the east because Kyrie and tobias harris is a five seed or a four seed now considering where the nets have been can't complain too much about that but you know it seems like they are kind of you know clippers east and that they're really trying to build for a, a championship level team yeah I, I agree with you and what the, how the clippers would approach or sorry now how the clippers how the nets actually be true with them too how the nets would approach a one star off season is is fascinating because would they think that they want to keep the remaining powder dry and just see maybe they can get a second guy in 2020 that is better than the options on the table this summer that's a possibility as well and for the nets considering it's not like they have a whole bunch of big stuff coming up on their books i i could see that being a, a realistic path for them of just saying we don't really love you know like tobias harris i mean now if they could get somebody like chris middleton it might be a little bit of a different story i think he's a better i think he's a better fit especially with his positional th- positional elements you can get a better defensive four if you have middleton in the mix and maybe that helps answer some of the questions and also i think another important part of the delay tactic in the one star approach for them is they would have a better idea of where jared allen is going this is his third season so kind of he he can make big strides here remember it took my it took miles turner a long time and it took turner longer than than even his fourth season it was his fifth season that turner got a lot better defensively but i think at some point the nets are really gonna have to figure out No, this is fourth season oh oh yeah you're right he had signed the extension but hadn't kicked in yet thank you yeah um is is that the nets like we just talked about with the clippers are they're they're looking to get into the grand game and that changes how you evaluate your player and i think there could be a real benefit for them of seeing kind of getting a getting a sense of well which which of these guys are going to be good enough for prime time that could be a good question for laverde and for jared allen and all these type of players so i could see a, a value in just waiting but it would it'd be hard for Kyrie. i'm guessing it'd be hard for the front office especially because the 2020 class is not inspiring but i mean if it's like tobias harris or cap space it's a little bit easier to be patient yeah i mean my big concern about this team shit even if kd comes back to years from now is or a year from now i guess i should say is just defense where is the defense coming from on this team they don't have any young players in the pipeline who are able to defend uh, maybe jared allen becomes that guy as you mentioned uh he does have uh, some of the tools to do that but yeah they need one more defender on the wing and you know so certainly maybe maybe they just decide we're going to try and fill that out but there aren't really any young defenders available on the market and you could see them maybe trying to go the restricted route around Kyrie and then you know roll over the cat's race the next year if that doesn't work out but I don't see any incredibly sexy restricted free agents that really play into what they want to do 
They got to hope Kurix takes a big step forward too. And they're gonna have nothing at the four on this team, probably. You know, unless they sign a Tobias or something. Uh, I'm talking about at least for this year. If they get KD, obviously he'll probably just play the four for them. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is, obviously you get those two guys, you do it, and you worry about later. But you know, I, I don't see that team becoming a huge powerhouse right away necessarily. Anyway, and then you, you obviously have the health concerns and the performance concerns with KD. I mean, I guess we still have to talk about if they don't get Kyrie or KD. You know, then uh, we could basically just run back that Clippers section for them <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty I, I what much they do if they don't get anyone and then the conversation on russell gets really really different and also well yeah i mean they, they, they'll bring him back at that yeah, point yeah you pretty much have to and yeah but they, they might still try to go the tobias harris route with russell still in the fold yeah they they definitely could and they could be in the market for for a lot of different a lot of different players who would sign short-term deal but with with the nets in particular especially considering the the murmurs that we've been hearing before I wonder how disheartening it would be the zero star scenario because do you continue keeping powder dry if you've been spurned in the way that they would have been like what are you waiting for it's kind of it's different than the Knicks because the Nets this year I think they really came as close as they realistically could to putting their best foot forward so do you keep thinking that player comes and you just go well we're just gonna have to embrace kind of where we are at least for the next couple years yeah and obviously if they would they would be re-signing Russell in that scenario and now you the double max is only realistic probably if, if you move russell which you might be able to do you might not this may be the apex for all-star d'angelo russell in terms of his value around the league you know if lavert comes back and he outplays russell next year and dinwiddie is still really good you know and he doesn't close every game or that's uh that's a big thing he was in the perfect position with dinwiddie going down last year making that all-star team just due to injury he's also got some health concerns with his knees you know, missed time with those for two years before this so I, I don't think it's and obviously we're just lower on his performance in general didn't look good in the playoffs so you know over 20 million a year for him close to the max for him that's uh that could easily turn out to not be that great uh anything else we need to talk about on these guys i mean i think the the levert extension we'll have plenty of time to talk about that later yeah the levert extension they did not extend a qualifying offer to ronde hollis jefferson i do not expect him to be back for all those reasons i just looked it up do you want to guess d'angelo russell's true shooting in the playoffs this year oh it was like 46 percent or something yeah right? 45 yeah uh yeah i mean even during the season it wasn't wasn't that amazing yeah he did a, um, he did a lot of volume based work which is important and you know being able yeah. to being able to take a lot of possessions run a lot of stuff and still be okay is isn't is a valuable skill it's it's not something you and i value as much as other people but it's i'm always very cognizant of those sorts of like when somebody does really well in the counting stats because they took a bunch of shots because that's that's an opportunity that just isn't afforded to that many players that i had that stat at some point during the season about like th- it, this was a dennis Schroeder thing at one point too of like very few players this inefficient get this many shots at all and so that's what leads to the numbers getting the way they are do you think there's any way even if Kyrie, if they don't get one of the big fish that they would just not match on russell if he got a max offer it seems really I, unlikely i actually think it's possible it would take balls for sure and then that you know they would just try to build the, this team out with so some more quality contributors I mean, they I mean, have got- they have the guards to survive it yeah, and it's a big bet to me on Lavert in particular. Sure. And they still got Shaz Napier under contract. He's a fine backup point guard, but behind Dinwiddie. And you know, I'm not sure where you go from there. You know, you always talk about like, well, what's what's the counterfactual uh, of where you go from there? You know, do you like bring back Boyan Bogdanovich or, or, you know, they're just, again, there aren't that many wings. Do you try for a center? Would you maybe get into like the DeMarcus Derby? That's uh, Nikola Vucevic. 
there's, you know, I'm not sure necessarily that there are that many better options, but because they have all these redundancies at the guard spots, I do think it's kind of something to think about. Well, and they have all these redundancies and the other guys have more team control. So they can, you know, Dinwiddie being under contract for two more seasons, plus a player option, Levert extension eligible, and then a year before restricted free agency. Like there is something there that is, it, it, it could push them. And Sean Marks hasn't really had to make that kind of decision on D'Angelo Russell yet. So you could, it's a lot easier to say the right things and he was an all-star for them and everything else but it's it is possible that since we haven't seen that for his hand forced yet that he could see you know hey this this the player who's you know uh, his contract comes up at exactly the wrong time for the nets and it's a possibility i don't i I think it's unlikely but i mean it, it would it would definitely make some sense to me yeah maybe they try and salvage it by getting an asset and a sign and trade before the offer sheet comes in that would be a thought and but you know this is your other problem too danny is you know you don't get one of these big stars Levert breaks out yeah I think he could be really good you have some good offers uh but you know is he what do you think of him and next year's market is just gonna have a crap ton of space and so with very few free agents to throw it at so now you're gonna pay over 20 million a year to Russell and over 20 million a year to Levert so that this net story which has been so thrilling with them making the playoffs also worth noting that like they actually weren't that good last year too they're they were you know right around 500 and it didn't have that great of a point differential by my recollection so they could bring everyone back and just miss the playoffs this year too that's a, another potential concern uh because they had some other contributors like carol for example who you know were who helped them and maybe they don't replace that production that easily. all right that's probably enough on these guys there's a lot of permutations though but it's uh you know, this is a moment in time for this net team and they could be looking amazing they they could have really been looking amazing if KD didn't tear his Achilles. That obviously, you know, and I'm sure they'll want to get a, a meeting with Kawhi too. Maybe they'll get one, but no one's been talking about him as a possibility there. Uh, they'll obviously try to do that. But this is, this summer is incredibly important because it does feel like if they don't get someone now, that it's going to be pretty tough to do that in the future because those players aren't out there. And you know, maybe that maybe they could get someone in trade uh, using a re-signed Russell or Levert or, or Dinwiddie or something like that, but and some future picks. But all right, that will do it for today. Check back on Sunday or maybe even earlier if big news drops. Uh, we have the flexibility to record earlier than that. But uh, this is your home all through free agency for every single transaction. It will be analyzed here on Dunked On. This is our time. Talk to you all soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.